Tommy. How's the peeping? Tommy. How's the peeping? Tommy, 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 Tommy. And Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Heartbeat, why do you miss when my baby kisses me? Does a love kiss stay in my memory? Little Pat, I know that new love thrills me. I know that true love will be. Heartbeat, why do you miss when my baby kisses me? Welcome to Tales of Eastland, episode 228, and it's me, Gary P, and of course, it's the Prof, Carl Riley. I'm going to have to power through this one today, Gary. Uh, your co-host has a, a nasty old cold. Prof is dying here, and Prof, believe it or not, Prof just had his first cappuccino. Like you did. Prof has never been one for voices, never never give a fuck about anything until I ruined him, really. <laughs> so, his first cappuccino, which, uh, how did it go down, Prof? I didn't hate it, which... Is the the biggest positive I can give right now because I was never going to love coffee in my first taste. So. It's like Guinness, though. I have six of them. I oh, see. I worked at Guinness for a while. I was determined to enjoy Guinness. It's the best thing you've ever yeah. done, isn't it? Yeah. And of course, we are back. Renegotiations are done and final. And Leinster Credit are back for another season. Because Leinster Credit, prof, they got you back even when you got a cold. And um, of course, Ocean Electrical, who are going from strength to strength. Um, I think we'd be lucky to hold on to them. It's like Ocean Electrical are like that star striker that you're just holding on to for dear life who scores all your goals and just begging them to hold you, begging them to be with you. They're in demand, are they? They're in demand. So that is our sponsors. Keep an eye out for another few little collabos coming up as well. But this week we'll round up all the news from Rovers and the league the last couple of weeks and there's not one but two interviews, Prof. Loads of content coming in the next couple of weeks. And first you'll hear the head of the women's football at Rovers as young Hannah Dunn caught up with Jason Carey and we have a chat with Neil Faruja about his UCD and Hoops career and movies. Uh, Bit of a movies very, corner. Very surprised at how cool this interview was. I know probably me misconceptions and preconceptions about Neil Faruja. I take them all back and I won't tell you what they were. Well, take them all back. I had a feeling you weren't sure about this one because I said to you a couple of times and said, yeah, I'm going to interview Neil because I knew he was a good talker. And uh, so proved. Yes, definitely. Um, Darren Dillon, feedback from last month. Very positive. Kevin McClone, great interview with Darren Dillon. Very passionate about anything he does. A great trait to have and relentless. I've, I've taken mm-hmm. to bring it into the workplace, Prof, the relentless Relentless! Slogan. Doesn't work in on post. No. <laughs> no, doesn't work. <laughs> Someone that, would be pushing a trolley. I'd be going, relentless, relentless. Well, I just have to go over here one meter. And they're going faster. <laughs> yeah, no, this isn't working on post. Thanks for the yeah. voice, Darren, but no, it's not working in our industry. There was also, at the end of Kevin's post there, some unkind words about our quiz contestants. But given our guest today, I quote it out. So mm. you can read that yourself. Maybe so. Um, Eamon Mack said that was he felt that was one of our best ever episodes because of 
uh, you had Dylan and you had the return to quiz. So he was he was raving about that episode. Yeah, it was, it was um, a very very complimentary message. Were you watching Darren Dillon eating with the enemy on Monday? I, I didn't get a chance to watch it yet, but I am reliably informed that it is very very good watch, and obviously I will catch up with it because mm-hmm. you know. TV pals and all, you know. Does he have a date for his podcast? Has that been has it begun already? Coming in the next few weeks, yeah. yeah. Coming in the next few weeks. So he's trying to twin it all together and get himself sorted. Content is all sorted. It's just about getting it done and over the line. Never have enough podcasts and work because by Thursday morning, I've run out. Yeah, see, that's what I said to him as well. I was saying to him, how's your content? Like, I mean, he says, oh, a couple of guests lined up. He says, you can never, ever have enough content. Hashtag content. Hashtag content. <laughs> On the four in a row question, John Cody was transferred to Chelsea in December of the last season of Milltown, so got four medals. And he sent us a photo. He sent us a photo via Bill Gleeson. So um, I asked him, could he video dropping them on the ground if the case they were rubber? <laughs> video never came true. And chocolate inside. Chocolate inside. Why did I, did I. We read a quote from Jason Maloney saying he may have got four medals. I love then, this. Then I start getting abuse from both Bill. <laughs> And John Cody. If you've noticed... When and I'm like, I didn't say this. If the prof gets anything slightly, slightly wrong or makes him say... He will go to the de- the depths of hell to prove himself right. And I love it. But if I say something wrong, fine. But if Maloney says something wrong... And don't you get don't shoot, shout at me. Like. <laughs> I just kept at him. Prof was a get with prof. We had this from Brian McKenna. Uh, he said on Twitter, Spoiler, the opposite to matter... Bows. <laughs> nice touch there. Uh, Fico's listening in Istanbul Airport, Bali, and the overland train between Adelaide and Melbourne so far. So we're getting some miles in here, prof. And he's unvetted as well. He's he's totally unvetted. Look yeah. at all those countries he's gone into. <laughs> Crumlin Shopping Centre tweeted Kimmage is just a road. Outside of that, it doesn't exist. Sorry if this affects your house price. Prof. Yeah. Donald Fallon followed it up. <laughs> Said that sign on Sundrive Road, Sundrive Road, and annexation certainly didn't help. So, and uh, I liked your response to the four. Pro- you said the four farms is like Monaco, a sovereign state inhabited by dodgy characters and charlatans. Not quite sure of its identity, so it straddles the thin line of being a tough crumbling pub and a hipster Kimmage alehouse. AKA the bar and the lounge. <laughs> you go into the bar, crumbling pub, into the lounge, Kimmage. It's like Homer. Now I'm in Kimmage. Now yeah, I'm in yeah. Kimmage. Now I'm in Kimmage. And you now go I'm upstairs, Kimmage. then you're in Rover's territory. So, yeah, 250,000 prof. Unclaimed lotto ticket. Bought in Ring's End. Unclaimed. This intrigues me. The home of football. This gets me nervous. How do you buy a quarter of a million but then forget about it? And saying that, we bought lotto tickets. Last week, and I haven't checked them. I just gave them the whore, so I don't know. We didn't buy now, it's not this hand. one, it's not this one, but how long does it last? Like, I, I get upset thinking about this. That's why I don't really do the lot because I start thinking, What if I win? and then I start going down a rabbit hole of what I do, and then and I'm just like, There, this is pipe dream stuff. Do you remember when I went Stop. to 17 million and we were all convinced for about two hours we were gonna win? Yep, everybody, <laughs> yep, everybody at the height of hysteria. Um, so get well soon Paul Clayton he was laid up in hospital for a couple of weeks so Paulie good rings in man I think he's at home now recovering so yeah best luck Paulie uh, uh, recover nicely Aidan Keane prof joined Cheltenham Town we're a bigger club in Cheltenham is that League 1 is it yeah we're a bigger club in Cheltenham we are no doubt about it but once again this goes back to the League 1 discussion that we had talking about why 
some players chose to go to League One instead of us because you have your Sheffield Wednesdays who popped up in a conversation with us there recently. League One, 33,000 people. Bolton, Ipswich, all these big clubs. Portsmouth, these are all in League One. And the chance to play against them, possibly play well. And in a fickle football world, maybe get a move if you have two or three good moves or two or three good games. It was more so the mass exodus to League One last summer was alarming. Mm. The odd one doesn't alarm me that yeah. much. Uh, the bit of red trust, uh, who famously, once <laughs> they famously blagged, uh, bragged they were top of the league. These are head cases, man. Sligo have collapsed ever since. But uh, they made sure to mention the dirty shams in their uh, Aidan Keane announcement. Dirty shams couriers. Gurriers is gurriers are a fantastic word. That's an underrated word. Like if if someone called me a gurrier, I just think, oh, what am I doing wrong? Or it's like when someone calls <laughs> you <a> sap. <laughs> like it just almost. hits home, doesn't it? Yeah. Gurrier. I know what you mean. Yeah. I feel like I haven't heard it in years. Oh, oh it's great. It's underrated. Um. Yeah. So next up, Prof, we have Sligo County Council. Gave the green light for the construction of two new stands with facilities in the showgrounds. And ultimately, this is a good thing. Because it goes, it leads on to the discussion of the 500 tickets that we got, which I'm nearly sure we got more before, Prof, because we'd, mm. we'd hammer everybody <coughs> into the stand and to the left of the concourse or whatever you call it, the patch of concrete, no there's one's there. Of, yeah, often a lot of people behind the goal. And obviously, there's they can fit there, like yeah. easily fit thousand there in that little L shape that leads into the stand. But... Obviously, there's health and safety there, and they don't want to give us as many tickets as possible, but it goes into the whole infrastructure conversation that we had before about the grounds just not being good enough, and they have to accommodate mm. their own fans. It's what we do. It's what every other club would do, and we wouldn't give them anywhere near what they want if it meant our own fans were being sacrificed. So you can understand from their part, but we've had to cancel a bus We've had two buses on the run. We had 100 people. A lot of people dropped out. And understandably, because they can't get a ticket. I mm. Personally, I'd still travel if I didn't have it. <laughs> I'd chance my arm. But it's just not viable for some people. And it's it's a mental situation where I'm hoping it's addressed in our lifetime. I'm hoping it comes to the stage where we can actually uh, bring a crowd of 2,000 on the first away day of the season to Sligo or something like that. Do you know what I mean? Well, someone said we actually brought 1,000 to the 2013 FEI Cup semi-final under Crawley. Um, we I, would have because we would have been entitled to half the I remember allocation. we were there that day I remember Quigley yeah. had, a, had a mare he wasn't the only back half of wedding <laughs> I can't remember how big the crowd was but um, it's kind of a new problem for LOI Stadia isn't it just the high demand and they're too old and restricted to meet the demand like if you want to read that quote from Barney there just before we talk about the tickets Barney I've been a philosopher, Barney. I've been saying this for a long time. We have had a league that struggles desperately for crowds, but can accommodate the people who want to go. Infuriates me, I have to say. Yeah. So just on uh, the t- obviously the tickets went to members first, and they went to season ticket holders. Um, what day was it? Was it last Thursday? It was a Thursday or Thursday. Friday. Yeah. They went. They went on sale at two o two p.m. Sold out at two o five. A lot of people had the tickets literally in their virtual basket, oh. only for it to sell out in the meantime. Absolutely insane. Um, Stephen, friend of Barry and uh, and Owen Walsh, he's selling a Sligo ticket and a bottle of Prime, 70, <laughs> 70 euro. Bottle of Prime! Um, RIP, our Instagram page. Uh, Garrett, I genuinely have not looked at our inbox. Don't. In a week, because... 
there's just 200 messages there from people looking for tickets. Yeah. I used to kind of enjoy looking the odd you know, people reply to the story saying, great show, clap, whatever. Clap, story, whatever. No, it's gone now. It's, it's, just, it's all tickets. It's, it's nuts. Possibly the biggest scramble for tickets ever. Um, Bowls last year was crazy. Bowls was nuts. Nuts. And I vividly remember that. But this is the biggest outpouring of new names and people that I don't know looking for tickets, which is mm. deadly. That's why we wanted to run a second bus. Mm. Crowned them all on. Showed them on a way day. Show them how we, how we do it. But it's... Um, it makes sense. Four months off <coughs> a league opener. Demand was going to be huge for this. Um, but yeah, like you say, so many new people contacting you. Uh, you showed me a message from your daughter, Abby, just saying, my mate is wondering, do you have three spare for the Sligo game? I sent her, I think, not the way you're supposed to annoy our kids as a father, I sent her, I think it was the guts of maybe nearly a hundred laughing emojis. <laughs> I just sat there for about five minutes, just pressing it. <laughs> She's thinking, oh, he's typing. Just pressing laughing oh, emojis. He's writing an essay about how he's going to get me three yeah. tickets. And she texted you today, she's like, uh, he's serious. And I was like, yeah, so am I. You're not getting a fucking ticket. It's actually become one of my guilty pleasures now. Anyway, we're open, Robert Shaw. If anyone asks for more than two, I just burst out laughing. Yeah. I'm just like, you have no you gotta, chance. you got to admire the perseverance of some of the people on Twitter and, and Instagram. Mm. It's, it's it's admirable. But it really was fastest finger first uh, in this case. Um, like I remember before, even the Bowls, maybe not the, the Bowls last year, but maybe, you know, the Bowls Cup semi-final. And then the one the year after, remember the green or late winner in the lashing rain. Yeah, those ones were tough to get tickets for, but there was still a sense of. I remember you're kind of patronising people like, look, anyone who wants to go, will get a ticket. We just we felt like we we're still just at that level, where look, people who want to go will get the ticket. I think we're gone past that now. <laughs> That's not that phrase doesn't apply. I think anymore. we we said it to ourselves. We were talking about how that like if somebody does if a ticket does become made available, you're not going to hear about it. It's going to go like that. Yeah. Like we're not going to get two people getting onto Instagram saying the two tickets there, me, because someone will take them no matter what. No, because someone will know someone who doesn't have a ticket. They'll have a friend or a brother or a cousin or whatever. So absolutely, yep. That's what I said to a friend who's looking for, who asked me. Um, I said, I don't fancy your chances with this one, to be honest. It's tough. Yeah, really don't. Um, someone made a good point. Could there be an uptake in membership after this? When people take note of what happened here. Fastest fingers first, that's the only thing. And Gary, you suggested I read this out. As an example of the lengths that lads would go to for tickets. So Rob Dunn said this to you. He said, <laughs> we'll let you know in the next while, Gary. We have a Brennan's bread delivery man we know due in Sligo on Tuesday, so I'm asking him for a favour now. <laughs> I'm loving the lengths that people go to. And we'll say no more on, on the lengths that people do go to about how they're trying to acquire tickets, but um, yeah, no, I'm just doing my team here. Prof Prof, forgot, Prof reminded me that we've got start levels on predictions, <coughs> and I'm actually... I nearly forgot to write it down in the rundown. I, uh, I thought, oh yeah, we have to... Do the starting and predictions. Considering it's a glorified friendly coming up, I'm, going, oh, I'm thinking about it. Go on. Right, so... And yeah, Robert signed Chloe McCarthy for the senior women's team. Physio Tony's daughter. So, uh, another uh, ambitious sign for Rovers. 
I guess another one from Chez. Yeah. yeah. Scooping them up. Um, and on that note, we have Jason Carey speaking to Hannah Dunn about the Rovers women's team this season. We're joined by Rovers head of women's football, Jason Carey, to talk about the senior team this season and his role at the club. Welcome to the podcast, Jason. Thanks, Hannah. You spent 10 years as director of football at P-Mount United. Can you give us some background on yourself and how you got into coaching? Was it something you always wanted to do? Yeah, I suppose I've been coaching quite a long time now. Um, been coaching since I was about 16. So, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a fair while ago now. Um, yeah, played football, obviously, when I was younger. And, yeah, probably got to realise that uh, maybe playing professionally wasn't going to happen for me. And I, I thought, yeah, OK, what's the next best thing? So, uh, for me, that was coaching. Um, so, yeah, I, I got involved in coaching from quite an early age. And, yeah. Uh, when I finished school, um, I, before I went to become a PE teacher, I, uh, I was on the uh, full-time FOSS course, which was a, it was a coaching course alongside a playing course, uh, which Roy Keane was actually on. Um, so we used to like, yeah, play against the, the players' course every day. So, yeah, just kind of got the bug from there, started coaching my local, local team. And, yeah, I suppose went on from there, just started coaching different groups and different teams and... Yeah, I suppose been coaching since then, you know, so it's about it's over 30 years at this stage. Payment are one of the leading clubs in Ireland. What task were you given by Shane Robinson when you arrived here last summer? And did you look at it as an opportunity to build something at Rovers? Yeah, Payment a brilliant club. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed enjoyed my time there. Uh, I helped to build some some uh, good structures and good player pathways and, and coach pathways. Um, so yeah, it was it was it was a good project uh, to be involved in. Obviously, speaking to Shane, then um, we we'd known each other from a couple of years back, and uh, yeah, just look. The, the main thing was to build the whole the, the whole women's section and make sure that it was it was going to be successful. I mean, I think I think when you walk into the in the door at Rovers, uh, there's an expectation on you there to to you know to be the best that you can be. And look, I really loved I really loved that aspiration. That yeah, it was it was about being the best that we could be. So it was about building those foundations, and I think we're probably at the end of phase one of those uh, of of the building stage at this stage. Stephanie Zambra has followed you to Rovers now from Piedmont. What were you there the day she scored her Puskas nominated goal? I wasn't unfortunately, uh, but I obviously have seen it seen it many 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 times at this stage, and uh, yeah, it was you know one of the, one of the best goals I've ever seen. But uh, no, unfortunately, I wasn't there live uh, when she did score it. So we're delighted to have her on board uh, this season. You know, she's been a professional footballer, you know, in in many different countries, and you know the standards that her and the senior players set at training and. For, for match days and stuff that's just fantastic for uh, for our young players to aspire to and you know she's had a brilliant career and uh, I think you know obviously she's one of the most recognisable faces in in women's sport in Ireland which again is a, is a very important message for us uh, for our young players to have so you know we're delighted to have her. Since your appointment so much has happened not just the expansion of women's football in the club with Rovers entering a senior side but the girls in green secured their place in the World Cup and professional contracts are being introduced in the league. The women's game keeps growing so fast, doesn't it? Yeah, it's brilliant to see. Like, you know, I said, I've been involved in the game for quite a long time and I've coached the international team a couple of years ago. And, you know, to see the players that played for me in the, in those years, like Amber Barrett and, you know, Neve Farrelly and 
players like that uh, progressing is 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 absolutely fantastic. So it's not before time, really, but uh, I think the momentum is definitely behind the women's game at the moment. Uh, you know, it's it's great to see the contract being rolled out. It's great to see you know the clubs now, you know, really putting putting the resources really that the game needs uh, to move on to the next level. I think this semi-professional level is the next is the next step for, for, for the girls game in the country. And for me, the technical level of the game has gone, it's got so good now, you know, we have a, a development academy up at Rovers at the moment and, and the technical level of that group uh, is, is, is fantastic. Like, you know, so yeah, the momentum is behind the game and I think the whole country has bought into, has bought into that momentum. And I think, you know, it will be a fantastic summer for, for, for the girls and, yeah, looking forward to seeing them actually playing in the, in that big tournament, which I think the game needs. Uh, it'll be, I think, it'll be monumental for the for the game here. The crowds at the Ireland Internationals at Tallaght Stadium have been huge. Anya O'Gorman played in the World Cup playoff win, and Katie McCabe's sister Lauren is with the club. Young girls want to watch games and meet their heroes, and can we create something similar at club level? I think so. Um, I think it's it's a it's a very important message that we're trying to you know ensure that our senior players interact with our under-19s or under-17s. And, and even last night, you know, again, uh, our, our development academy were training beside, right beside our first team. They go over and they say hello, they get their pictures with them. And I think I think th- that's probably one of the best things from a fan's point of view at, um, at the international games, that the fans go down, uh, get their selfies, their autographs. The players have been absolutely fantastic with the fans. But if you want to build, you want to build something sustainable and memorable for fans. It's, yeah, I think that's that interaction with the players, you know, meeting their heroes um, and getting to say hello to them. It's, yeah, it's, and they do it every, every time, every time there's a game there. It's, it's a brilliant sight to see anybody who's ever there. So yeah, I'd highly recommend it. The Rovers women's Twitter has recently passed 3000 followers and now an Instagram account has been launched. If we want young women to be able to identify with the players similar to the men's team, how important is branding and social media? I suppose in the modern world, branding is everything in terms of, you know, what your product and, and how you want to get your product out there. Like, you know, so having having a strong social media presence for young people is, is really important now uh, where they can identify um, with with the players and identify with the club and, and then ultimately the brand of Shamrock Rovers. Yeah, so it, it, it's really important and you know the message that we get across in in though in in the social in the social platforms are important that you know i suppose it comes back to the you know the can't see can't be kind of motto um you know and and that, that on the back of that campaign that took place a couple of years ago um it was you know again it was a game changer i think for for women's sport in ireland and yeah i think i think that will only grow i think you know uh, some of our posts on twitter and and facebook and stuff like that have have reached, you know, hundred thousand plus on some of our tweets, which is is phenomenal. Now, you, you know, the reach that we we have uh, we've got to on on some of the social media posts. So again, it's just about building that over over a period of time. I do think having that connection with the supporters, letting them know what's happening, and you know, having things like this, you know, where they can access and get some information about their players or the club, you know, and again, just building that, building and identifying new supporters. Um, you know, connecting with our uh, partner clubs where, you know, they feel a, a bigger part of, of what Shamrock Rovers actually is, you know, in the community. So, yeah, it's all, it's all, it's all good. 
The facilities at Roudstone are top class and a number of our under 17s team will be on the Asheville College transition year course playing full time alongside their education. Is the aim to replicate the men's model with the academy? That's a good question. Uh, yeah, we'd like, like, you know, in an ideal world, we'd like to, to replicate that. Um, we have our first scholar this year, uh, Leah O'Leary, uh, who's, who's one of our new uh, first team members, um, under 17, under 19 international. She's in the home base squad. Uh, and Leah is, is the first girl that we have on the Ashfield programme. Um, that we can that she can access you know extra educational supports uh, from home she can still she, obviously she can still go to her own school but um yeah we've this is this is our kind of first trial to see how this would work um from a learning point of view for our players um, education obviously is massive for, for, for young players male or female um and look the opportunity going forward for some of our under 17 team, Next year to be a part of that transition year program is going to be massive for them because uh, it will it will I think it will help them choose their career. It will possibly you know help them go on a different path in their career and just give them that opportunity, as you say, that uh, the boys already have at the club. But uh, yeah, it's a big it's a big thing for us. I think education is is the cornerstone of of everything you know that we're trying to do there really. So Rovers will have a senior women's team for the first time since 2014 and we had to assemble a side from scratch almost. What made Collier O'Neill the best choices manager? Yeah, uh, I've known Collie a good few years again. Uh, worked, worked, you know, beside him at UCD a good few years ago. Um, but, but a couple of things that always struck me about him. Um, probably the, the style of football that he wants to play. Um, I, I love uh, the games we played in, 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 you know, in that good passing style. Um, I suppose his ability to win, to win things as well. He was, you know, very successful with UCD when he was there. And I suppose one of the big things for me was um, his ability, you know, to, to work and help and develop young players uh, was, was, was a big attraction because we knew that we would have to, uh, build a, a relatively young squad, um, which we can, you know, help develop over the next couple of years. So um, they were the kind of three main things uh, that that were the attraction for, for us to to get them as our, as our manager, you know. Collie has built a formidable squad with several high-profile arrivals in Tala. Does that show the ambition of the club and how Rovers really want to make an impact on the women's game? Absolutely. As, as I mentioned earlier on, you know, when you come into Rovers, you know, there is an expectation there. It's not, you know, it's not written down anywhere, but there's an expectation when you come in the door that the club deserves to be at the top of whatever it does. And it's prepared to back up uh, those plans uh, with facilities, with medical care, with, you know, performance analysis, with strength and conditioning. So, yeah, I think, I think you know, everything the club has is geared towards success and helping the player become better at what they do. So, yeah, look, yeah, the ambition at, at Rovers will always be to be to be the best. Anya Gorman, the captain, was Collie's first signing. She has 114 caps for Ireland. Will the likes of Anya and Stephanie help set standards on and off the pitch? Yeah, look, if you you know you come up to come up to train and any night, you know Anya's first there. She's last to go. She's 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 an she's an absolute legend. Um, she's had a fantastic career, and you know, 
for her obviously to get the opportunity to play in the World Cup this year is massive for her personally I know that um, but she's she's a brilliant character around the dressing room she's a brilliant you know role model for all our younger players but yeah like herself and Steph and some of the older players like Jess Gargan and stuff like that they're brilliant role models and look they work so hard and, and, and they deserve this opportunity to you know be semi-professionals and you know aspire to keep going in their careers like you know and keep trying to achieve things even though they've achieved lots and lots and lots of things uh, during their playing career so far but yeah they're, they're brilliant people to have around uh, the, the ground you know have you been watching Stephanie on Dancing with the Stars? Yes, my wife and my two girls, we watch her every Sunday and uh, mm. uh, we're cheering for her. Uh, I think she's being harshly criticised at times, but um, yeah, look, it's brilliant for her. You know, it's obviously something new for her, but Steph is a very determined person and uh, yeah, she gives it her all every week. She's doing brilliant to, you know, to balance out the training requirements and uh, and and the, the, the rehearsal schedule. So it's been been a busy uh, couple of weeks for her. Could you attempt any of the moves like the cha-cha-cha? Absolutely not. <laughs> not a hope. The team had their first pre-season friendly last Saturday, making the trip down to Cork. And it was a one-all draw with Academy graduate Jamie Thompson on the score sheet. Was it a good workout? Yeah, it was our first game. So uh, it, was, it was great to, you know... Uh, go through all the logistical stuff for us to make sure that we had that all, all right in terms of the players' uh, preparation in relation to food and stuff like that. So it was good. But when it, with the game itself, yeah, it was, it was a great workout. Uh, brilliant for the club that we had, like, you know, there was eight players who were actually under 19 in the starting 11, which is, you know, it's very, very young. But uh, the standard the standard that they have and they bring to the squad is, is phenomenal. Like, you know, so... Um, yeah, so it was a great workout. Second half, then seven under under nineteen players in in the eleven as well, and uh, yeah, look, it bodes really well for the future. The players we've we've recruited um, are young internationals. They want to play at the highest level they can play. They want to be the best players they want they, they can be. They they, they want to play this attractive brand of football, and uh, yeah, for our first day out with with a, with a brand new team, um, we were we were very happy. No one will be looking too far ahead, but Rovers and Shelburne collide in week three and it will be live on TG Cahar. The media might say there's bad blood there. Could it be feisty when the Dublin rivals meet? I think all the Dublin games are going to be very competitive this year. Um, the fact that we have some ex-Shelburne players, you know, might add a little bit to that. Uh, but look, there's no, look, football is football. Every, you know, I spoke to Pearl Slattery a couple of weeks ago at the Soccer Writers Awards. There's no bad blood there. Everyone shook hands and wished everybody well for the season. But look, you know yourself, when you cross the white line, I'm sure it'll be as competitive as uh, as games between the clubs are going to be like, you know, and it, and it's great for the women's game that there's somebody new uh, there for, for, for them to compete against, you know. Um, so, yeah, so we're, we, we've got two live games um fairly close together um so yeah we're looking forward to them but yeah all the dublin games all, all the games are going to be big for overs you know everybody's going to want to you know um yeah be competitive against us put it that way so our first game is away to sligo on march 4th and our first home game is 3d united on saturday march 11th the women's games are included on the men's season ticket plus a women's season ticket was launched today for 50 euro do you feel the fans will get great value for their money by coming out and showing their support? 
Yeah, like from what I'm hearing on the ground, you know, I think a lot of people are saying they're going to come out and support the team. And look, for us to have a big crowd in Tala on that first on that first home game would be brilliant. Like, you know, we, we'd really love the supporters of the club to get out and support us on that day in particular. It's a momentous, momentous game for us. Um, you know, something obviously we, be, we will have been building towards for about seven months at that stage. Uh, so look, we'll be you know really looking forward to that, but we really appreciate everybody coming along. It's at a great time on a Saturday evening for for families, especially. But uh, yeah, we would really appreciate that support. I know the players uh, would really appreciate that as well. But if we could set an attendance record that day for a league game, that would that would probably be the icing on the cake and and the three points, of course. Thanks for joining us today, and best of luck in the coming season. Great stuff. Thanks, many and Anna. Tell you, Prof, that was, that, was, uh, that was really informative. Very informative interview. I particularly enjoyed the middle of the interview where they were both really speaking about certain topics. Yeah, my, my favourite part was the words. Yeah. Love the words. So you haven't heard this interview <laughs> yet. <laughs> that, that doesn't even exist. <laughs> it doesn't even exist at the minute. Uh, we're recording on Tuesday night here and that's taking place on Wednesday night. So we'll give our reaction to that uh, next week uh, I'm sure it was it was fascinating Jason took on that job last summer head of women's football um, Hannah possibly could become our Rovers uh, women's team correspondent this yes, season now she yes. hasn't signed the contract with Tifties just yet her father is dragging um, us through the door that's what I was about to say uh, there's there's interest from abroad now, now we, Arsenal are looking do you know those those agents that sometimes ruin deals for people yeah, oh, yeah. Glenn's one of them He's asking for extortionate amounts. So we recommend you get a new agent. You t- took the words out of my mouth. I was going to say, I blame the dad. Yeah, yeah. Meddling. He's living off all glories. He's like, oh, oh I replaced Darren Dillon as fullback <laughs> for the Cherry Orchard under 17s. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, you shouldn't. Have, you, don't give us ammo. Don't give us ammo. <laughs> you duns, you got to keep your feet on the ground. Dream big, yes, but slow down. It'll, it'll work out eventually. <laughs> so we have a new away jersey, Prof. And uh, ooh, ah, Paul McGrath. Average age of the squad is 25 years old now. What was it last year when Ludogorets and Dan McDonald tore us apart? New signings: Burt 24, Clark 24, Poom 23, Poom's only 23, and Kenny 19. Yeah, it's a great point. The age pro- age profile of those four, and we were kind of talking about this in the chat. Weren't we? Dan McDonald tore us a new one. Yeah, people were saying that he was being informative, but I genuinely think it was a, not a smear job. It was a hatchet job. Is there a difference? That smear, was after hatchet, the hammering to Ludogorets in the Champions yeah, League. Yeah, the 3 yeah. 0 one where we yeah. tried to play it out from the back race. Yeah. Um, a bit premature because we knew we knew we had the fallbacks to get into the Commerce League. And yeah, I agreed with it in some parts. I didn't agree with it in others, but uh, it's 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 cool for Paul to kind of reference that and compare it to now and the age profile of these four signings. Um, I'd love to hear Dan McDonald's opinion on a few other things in the off-season, but, you know, some podcasts, they take four-month breaks. Yep. So Not dedicated you, enough because, you know... What can you do? Don't have the love. What can you but, do, Paul? Um, the new away jersey gear. Uh, your thoughts? I, I love it. I love it. I think it's something different. Uh, the sash, I don't Listen, it's it's a different tinge of green. I think it's a lovely fit. I'm not, I don't think I like the material. 
Tyrrell is a bit off, but still a lovely looking mm. jersey. Have you filled it with your hand on the shop yet? Yeah, it's, I haven't been in yet. It's silky. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't be the wouldn't be the most flattering for us beer drinkers. <laughs> but no, it is. It's uh, uh, it I, is. It's a cracker, and it's an all black away jersey with a bit of green on it. Like I think it's a beaut. Yeah. Um, yeah, I saw it described as a tad bog ballish. Um, it's quite similar to. I wouldn't even know these things. I don't know anything about the gaff. <laughs> but apparently, it, someone put a picture of um, Parnell's, and it was it was the same design. But um, no, I'm quite. I'm very fussy about new jerseys, and I I quite like this one. Yeah, I think it's lovely. Oh, black man's cool. You can't you, you can't go wrong. Uh, pre-season friendly Saturday 28 there was a comprehensive victory over 3D at Rollstone four goals for power Watt screen and Brio Brio on the he, score sheet he French he's I'm French no, according to the app I have no idea Which... I'm just thinking about power here right and I'm just tipping away at me starting 11 <laughs> where do you put him say the phrase where do you put him I don't know what he is I don't know what he is I don't know what he is Um. Uh, do you know what I'm going to keep tipping away here because I want to see him after scoring four goals but then again he's made a Weetabix so um. <laughs> <laughs> right so right so um, yes so Watts Green and Brioch on the score sheet and then we have Gaffney and Bork strikes there the 2-1 win over Wexford in the late game Wexford are looking good they beat Sligo in the showgrounds and I think they beat Bowes pre-season and the Vex were not knocked Pats out. The they did, 3-1, that's who it was. They beat Pats yeah. 3-1 and they beat Sligo after that yeah. in the showground. So this yeah. is a, a decent Wexford team who have mm-hmm. a gaffer in... I can't remember. Is it James Kelly? Possibly. Someone who's reset... I know um, Ian Ryan went to Bray, so... I'm pretty sure we in, we said this in the It podcast. was James Kelly, it was, yeah. I've already forgotten what and we, we said. And we made biscuit jokes, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so uh, the squad was in Spain for a week-long training camp in Cambrils. And pre- as preparations continue, and as we heard, uh, you'll hear Faruja talking about it. And hard work, no friendlies. Mm-hmm. Hard work put in. A few romantic cycles. The buddy system in play. High viz, making sure they don't get lost. <laughs> um, yeah, so a, a, like the Rose was out of action. So a nice pre-season camp. Get the head straight. Get the bodies right. Get work on the tan. And we're looking good for the start of the season up in Derry. Well, com- competitive, glorified, friendly. Um, so, yeah, that was it. And last weekend at Rollstone, Saturday morning, saw a 2 0 defeat to Waterford. And we were down to 10 men for most of it. And I didn't see this one. Chance of sack the board. <laughs> yeah. Rain down they the rang road out the Rollstone in the Kingswood area. <laughs> uh, later that afternoon, Rovers are back in competitive action at the Leinster Senior Cup toy at Belfield. And, Prof, you were at this one. <clears throat> Yeah, it was old school. Pay at the gate. That was thing of the past. I, I did. I bought a ticket in advance, but just the fact that you could pay at the gate. Yeah. I was like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> proper Leinster Senior Cup. So a goal um, or two assists for boom. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> he. I'm sure he'll. <laughs> I'm sure he'll uh, remember how it was with his dad, and he won't think, "Why are they booing me?" Yeah. But um, yeah, our last competitive game was here at the Bowl last year, and this is our first competitive game of the season. We had uh, quite a young back line with uh, Keen Barrett, Freddie Turley, uh, Kieran Cruz was left wing back. Um, all looked comfortable enough; like they weren't really challenged, mm. except for the goal, which was 
kind of comical because it was from our corner and we didn't have anybody back and they hit us in the break uh, it was Donald Higgins um, at that stage they had Wells sent off for a last minute challenge for ex-hoop Wells Adam Wells oh yeah yeah so we were 3-0 by half time the rain started bucketing down um, Bert had come off um, before half time just as a precaution we were kind of because there had been a few injuries I think Gary O'Neill came off in the water for game as well so they were you were thinking are these piling up but we got the positive news that Bert was just precaution so Kerry Kerry came on got himself a goal great finish um, Poom's goal was a, a fantastic what? strike Poom I can't as long as you <laughs> Uh, two assists. The second, me life. <laughs> the second assist was uh, a thing of beauty. This was a, a brilliant ball in. So we got goals from Poom, Kenny, Gaffney, and Kerry. Uh, Paul's playing in goal, which I was upset about. Go on. Because this denied Alan Manis a chance <laughs> to make his first Lancer Senior Cup appearance since a 2 1 win over Wexford Youths in February 2010. Wow, thirteen years ago. Uh, I was. Uh, I think so it's sad. safe to say he's our cup keeper for this one, <laughs> Leon. <laughs> At some point, it out that when Poom scored, he'd obviously scored a great goal. I think he started to run over to the fans, kind of expecting a bit of fanfare. <laughs> and I was just thinking, someone needs to explain to him what the Leinster Senior Cup is. Was he giving it? The- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, he was happy, but I think he got the, he got the message. Plus, it's. It is the UCD ball. Um, so that put us through to the quarterfinals. We'll play either New Oak Boys from Carlo or we'll play Ray uh, Bray Wanderers. Um, New Oak Boys, little trip to Carlo down to the foundry for a few points. I fancy that. Okay, we, 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 uh, Woody can give us the tour. Woody, oh, yeah. yeah. Woody can bring it to his, lo- to his local. Yeah. So, yeah, very. this is my first time seeing Poom on the flesh. Um, very impressed by his range of passing. Um, I really, really like the player we have on our hands here. And uh, we've got a bit of a report here. We have Mooner, the Kiernan Communique. No, no, no. Communique. 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 Communique sounds like a little island off the coast in Barbados, doesn't it? I put 20 seconds thought into that. At least you can do is read it. The Kiernan Communique. Is that even a word? It is. You're just making them up now. No, no, it's a real word. Right, the Kiernan Communique was no major need for box to box today as it was a stroll, but was popping up everywhere. Comfortable with both feet, can drive by a player. Oh, prof, I like it. Yep. I like it. Moondog with the report. Me. James Law not happy with us using the, the phrase low down. Um, thinks he's got the sort of the, the trademark on it. He's retired. You hang up your pen, you hang up your boots. Start riding for hoops. The, ki- the kids got to come and take your place. There you go. The uh, co-Ramblers um, boss Shane Keegan was speaking on off the ball on the young talent emerging in Shamrock Rovers. We beat them in a friendly and the kids came on for the last 20 minutes. If this is the standard of player we're starting to produce, things can only be moving in the right direction. I'm trying to do his accent. Yeah, <laughs> the level of text equals scary. I'm not even going to try. I like Shane Keegan. He's very good. Um, Sonny Lee Stacey as well there recently. So it's... And I've had this conversation with a, a colleague and a friend of mine about the development of players in the Roadstone Roadstone project. And um, he thinks I said I said this on to him, and I said, "What do you think of that?" He goes, "Yeah, it's going to be great for other League of Ireland clubs." <laughs> I was like, "What?" Because that's they're not going to play for Rovers. I was like, "Well, 
That's 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 deep. He's like, yeah, it's just a feeder club for the clubs. Just dish them out there. Especially UCD in Longford. But I, I think it's brilliant what we're doing. It's brilliant what we're doing at the minute. But you're familiar with um, Foda Island, Cork? Uh, yeah, no, I've never been there, but... Um, does it have a zoo on it or something? I don't know. Yeah, but, there? I don't know, but um, this is just further from um, Shane Keegan. He was talking about his Cove side, and he said they're pushing it up for for Cove uh, in their last pre-season event. He says, we're bringing the first-team squad to Foda, and Graeme Gartlin is beside him, and he just nonchalantly adds, yeah, we brought our 14s there. <laughs> <laughs> in the sauna. <laughs> All right. Just on power, there we we're joking. There, we we don't know what he is, but no, uh, he's not made Weebix. By the way, that was just a, the Legru lowdown. There was a bit of a Legru lowdown. He uh, he was telling us that Power was actually playing off greener. Very interested front. in this. So in it, so you could say a ten. Could he play off Gaffney? Maybe that's it's interesting because we don't necessarily play someone off of our striker. We played him kind of either side. You know what mm. I mean? In the or you got Gaffney dropping a bit the deep, cloud. or you yeah. got Berkey yeah. roaming the cloud, going into the space, in his free roll in the in the cloud. Mm. Um, yeah, so Tallis Stadium Prof works on on course to finish by the end of July. Councillor Charlie O'Connor uh, asked for an updated status on the works at recent Tallis area meeting. So, in response, the South Dublin County Council said construction works currently on schedule. Comprising the new North Stand for spectators as well as upgraded corporate match day media, hospitality areas of the existing main stand, and there are also scheduled works to be going to go through in existing in the South Stand, which includes a changing places facility for attendees at stadium events, as well as improved viewing for access for spectators with limited mobility. Said the SDCC. So, prof, it's gonna be a proper little stadium. I was up there, and um. Abby's done a bit of work experience. So went in and the whole club shop, good. Mm. Whole thing, totally, totally gone. Loads of ports in the ground. It looks like they're going to have desks for journals. So you go in, you plug in your stuff, you have your own little desk as a journal. Very, very professional setup. Looks great. Haven't seen anything else. But it looks the biz. And then the sit stand has been raised up about four feet, I'd imagine, for the people who, um, with mobility issues, limited mobility. So, Definitely, so, we're flying here, Prof. Is it a case of the stand itself and the seating and the infrastructure, the roof is mostly done, but it's just this stuff going on under the stand. Yeah, with the, definitely. The yeah. carpet facilities, that won't be ready till July. Plus, you've got the new club shop will have to go in as well, which is temporary at the minute where it is, to the left of the ticket office where you enter into the main stand and a couple of other things, but it's really, really exciting times, Prof. really, really is. And... Um, when you go into the south stand you know the place where I usually end up tumbling onto after we score a late winner run down the steps flip fall onto the ground they, they raised that up so less of a fall for me chasing European goalkeepers there you go <laughs> well, yeah. so um, no that wasn't you sorry no so the LOI prize from Prof of we know this is, this is bullshit remain unchanged in 2023 125k for the winners from a pot of 600,000 which you can Ultimately, get with one game in Europe, and you can get fifty grand per goal in the Conference League. So, what, three strikes of a ball can win you more. You could win more in two minutes in a Conference well, League. Fifty grand per point. It was a per goal. Per goal, there's a there's a prize as well. I'm nearly sure. Either way, it's madness. 125k. Nobody banks on that. 
Nobody expects this expenditure or this income. They don't they don't even factor it in. It's all about the, the glory and the medals and the trophy. And then I'd say at the end of it, our board are like, oh fuck, we got a few quid for that. Remember? Those that fucking pittance that they give you. <laughs> Madness. <clears throat> yes, so Mark Scanlon revealed that there will be no postponement this summer for European games. That's that's a big one, prof. Having arranged fixtures in early July to accommodate them. So they actually they actually planned the fixtures this year, prof. It's the first time ever. They <laughs> actually Tommy Tommy, listen up. Left those weeks blank. Um, should League of Ireland clubs advance, they will be expected to play domestic fixtures on the weekend with exception of European games arranged as five days apart. But Scanlon acknowledged that punishments for clubs over fans' pyro displays will now take into account the club's efforts to prevent them. As it is virtually impossible to stop flares. Well, Personally, it's not. I'm not mad about flares. Afraid of jeans myself. Moving on. If that had been the stance for like the Waterford incident, where that happened in Waterford's ground, where they failed to prevent one lunatic with a rocket launcher, and then we ended up nearly having a game behind closed doors because of that. Like if they, if there's leeway. For instance, like that, and they look at the circumstances. Mm. It's it's a poison chalice, really. It's a mm. prestigious enough uh, position to be in as regards to Mark Scanlon's role, but it's so tough. It's an uphill stra- struggle and battle to do anything sort of positive without mm. criticism in the league. It really is. Yeah, it's probably you're doing everything with like a wink and a nod. Like you're not gonna you're not gonna publish videos and and photographs of us using flares. But we're all in agreement, like, well, the flares are a spectacle, so we don't want yeah. them out of the game either. So We like flares. <laughs> <laughs> but um, still no sign of the League of Ireland third tier. Um, what's this, two years now? Virtually nothing happening. Yeah. Um, there was also something interesting. Retrospective red cards can now I be issued in the League of Ireland. this is a fucking insane decision. How are they going to find... Like, how? How are they going to do this? Well, there's just, no video footage how are they gonna like, is it gonna be witness like this this is potentially horrific for Rovers I I was about to say the same thing yeah but just to finish with this part it, it emerged before Christmas that players will be able to appeal against wrongful dismissals in 2023 not just mistaken identity in the case of an appeal a hearing will take place within 24 hours it means that a player could be sent off on a Friday and have that decision overturned on Saturday to allow them to play in a Monday fixture. So if there was a dreadful red card decision. There's rather, ups and downs. I mean, yeah, maybe rather so. than. You know, nothing's decided for three weeks. But uh, but what you're saying there. About it being a terrible idea. Like there's not enough camera angles. In these grounds. To see. An incident properly. I can understand what they're trying to do. They're trying to make it a little bit more professional. And that's the way we need to go forward. As a league and with structure and little things like this little nips and tucks here and there but I'm thinking from our perspective how much the refs fucking screw us over and how much maybe let's say an assessor is it? let's say there's an assessor there it could be up mm. to the assessor so he's watching the ref he sees something on the pitch he thinks that's a red card he didn't call it writes a report and then someone gets suspended is that how it's going to work? because if it is I'm not for that. If it's based on video evidence, yeah, in Tata you'll have LOI TV and you'll have SRC TV and you'll have uh, pitch side cameras and Jose will be filming it in the gantry and, and all that. Yeah, but all the other grounds, well not all, but some of them may only have one camera angle. Mm. So how do you look at a property? I know, it's crazy. 
yes, so that is two kickoff changes, Prof. We have Pat's game on Paddy's Day moved to 5pm kickoff. And Sligo away in the bank holiday Monday, June 4th. 5th is now 6pm. Oh, this is all not too bad. Not too happy with this. Uh, the Paddy's Day one, I think, is a bit mental because people are going to be out doing what they're doing on Paddy's Day. I know it's a spectacle for me. I'll be going to the game and everybody will be going to the game. They're all, all the kids and that. But as regards to traffic and fucking those things that everybody walks around in, what are called <laughs> It's been a long day. Help me out here. <laughs> what people, people walk people, around? People it. dress up stupid and they walk around and wave. Parades. Parades. Right. I nearly said leprechauns. There. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, you drag me so down to your coppers. Everything. Out drinking. There. And do you, know, do you know what I noticed as well? Um, there's a complete and utter lack of uh, drinking in fields anymore. That culture is gone. I grew up drinking in fields. Drinking out the crack, that doesn't happen anymore, at all. On Paddy's Day in particular, it was a big one. You'd have like fifty people, all drinking cans in the field. Doesn't happen anymore. So it's mad how the world has evolved. But we're going from kickoffs to drinking in fields. I, I'm not which seeing usually the cor- follows each other. I'm not seeing the correlation, but um, before and after, you know. Most people are complaining about the kickoff change. I know Just an observation. We're talking about Cheltenham. It's like, oh no, there's still some races on or whatever. But um. <laughs> What was that Sligo kick-off initially? Was it 3 o'clock? I'm not sure at all. I didn't, or maybe I didn't look was, that far into or it. Or maybe it was 7.45 it was changed from. Yeah. If me is getting home earlier, I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Chris McCann, prof. So for a Borton Albion. Mm-hmm. On the cards for a while, possibly some sort of coaching role involved there as well. You see, trials do work. Yay for trials. <laughs> um, he, he'll be a loss, but it'll be interesting. We've got... Uh, mm-hmm. He's replacing them and buzzing to see Puma. I haven't been buzzing like this for a sign in a long time. I'm buzzing, prof. Yeah. We also had Dylan Duffy going to Lincoln. Another another player who went from Roberts to UCD and uh, is now abroad. Unfortunately, again, once the small mindedness of the league and their inability to form some sort of bridge between the 19 and the 21 22 year olds that don't break into the first team and having a third league structure that's what should have been there for them to play men's football to play at a good level unfortunately it doesn't exist we used to have the A championship it needs to be there in my opinion there is an unfortunate graveyard there for kids that doesn't that, that you need to have a good level of football at to graveyard progress for kids that, that just put it not Sound uh, good. A totally different image in my head there. And I got chills, to be honest. We're just going to move swiftly on <laughs> from that one. Um, Brandon Mele has signed for Kingswood Castle FC. That's Saturday Major 1D. And I wish him all the best because um, I still say a fit Brando. A fit and able Brando gets into this team. I love Brandon Mele and his, and his prime. Brilliant, brilliant footballer. Very, very fond of him. Well, can you get him to come on the podcast? It's a. It, we'll get there. We'll let, let him get through whatever he's going through, and then we'll get him on. We'll have him. We'll chat with him. Brilliant, brilliant footballer in his day. Such a good player. And listen, we hope he gets a uh, gets everything gets to where he wants to go. Okay. Cork home the polls will be opener for the RT and the prof called it. Prof called it. <laughs> you did. You nailed it. Yeah, I figured that one because they're a newly promoted club. They'll get a big crowd for the opening match. I remember when Limerick <laughs> came up. Um, I think that was at Tolman Park 
and that one was televised but moved to a Sunday which is quite strange all the other games were on the Friday <laughs> but um, yeah, that's what RT chose um, Bowles only have two defenders but good news their new stand is coming on nicely it, it, it's going to be good it's it's small it's tight it's compact we're going to make a lot of noise there actually does look at we're actually going to have an atmosphere in there it looks deadly in fairness you know I'm interested yeah. um, unless they take the roof off which they've been threatening us with <laughs> uh, Wooly resident uh, do you know what before he said something funny the other day we were talking about Roy's of the foot soldier or geezer geezer clothing and he, he came out he said he was underneath the Thames mixing concrete and some fellow was telling him about his acting career and Wooly was like yeah you've an acting career too of them mixing concrete underneath a bridge in the Thames <laughs> in London he goes yeah I believe you I believe you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed that. Uh, so, Wooly, they were selling lumps of asbestos during demolition in the club shop for nine ninety nine. As Bostos is what Rodney was calling it. Yeah. So, Wooly with the quips. That's what Lambo was calling it before he headed over and uh, gave the Dutch FA some uh, expertise. So, of all the clubs in Dublin, in Ireland, in UK, in Europe, they invited Bowes yep. to talk about it. Never happened in a year award. At. <laughs> so Pat and and lads laughing here, reading my son's school essay, it's called If I Was Taoiseach. His teacher, Principal 2, is a genuine long-time hoop. My kid said one of the things he'd do is fund League of Ireland and help rebuild grounds, even bows, as their ground is really rubbish. And the teacher underlined it with a big red K-O-H. <laughs> More Rovers teachers, please. He said the picture of it as well, yeah, it made me laugh. Uh, yeah, so two more signs for Dirty Prof. Ollie O'Neill and Matt Ward. We're hearing Matt Ward's decent. I think it was Matt Ward. Ollie O'Neill's a youngster. Which is the one from Ipswich? Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure. Um, relatively unknown, but listen, I'm happy with our squad at the minute, to be honest. They have a label our squad now. Um, maybe they're gearing up for the the European summer. Um, you have to. You can't be presumptuous that you're going to have a a long campaign, but uh, they're obviously preparing for it. No, you got you got to be prepared. It's a long, long season, and we, like we spoke about, and like Jason Maloney, as as much as we'd argue back and forth with him, we'd mention stuff like this. He's one of the best football minds that we know, and he said levels. He was very honest about our European campaign last year, and he said there's levels to this, and we currently aren't at the right level, but to progress to the next level, we need to admit to ourselves of the level that we're at, and push on and nip and tuck and get better gradually and gradually and improve our squad. And that's what I think we have done this year. I think it's a better squad this year than last year, personally. Mm. Bar maybe one or two, because I'm a big fan of Lions. So, um, yeah, so those two signings. And the match in Dubai, Prof, yes, Dubai, between Waterford FC and Fleetwood United, was abandoned due to a waterlogged pitch. It was bucketing down. Did you see the video? <laughs> no, I just saw it. The video. It was like um, that Boys to Men video with the rain machine, throwing all the <laughs> fake rain down. That is bizarre. Uh, Glenmalore Fire uh, Flyer finished dead last in its second race Monday last week. Can get like a shotgun noise, probably. Like, I think this will be our last Glenmalore Flyer update. Well, it's done now because eight eight are gone, so we're getting <laughs> out. What do you do with the poor horse? Think about how unwanted that horse feels <laughs> in the stable. It's like oh, it's Glenmalore Flyer. Someone's just coming over to explain to her. Rovers and ADA parted ways in their sponsorship deal. I'm sorry, Glenmalore Flyer. They move it down to the back stable <laughs> and say, this Glenmalore Flyer. Just Ain't nobody want to ride it. <laughs> why, why do I sound like a, a, a 20s New York gangster? <laughs> in a stable in fucking 
Waterford. I thought you were doing the deliverance voice. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, I think we're done with that. I think we're done. It was a valiant effort. It was a valiant, valiant effort. But um, if I ever do another Robert's book, I am dedicating a page to that horse. Just how the stupidity of it from start to finish. Mark my words. Uh, I, here, I, I still fill the bus. <laughs> I fill the bus to go down and see it. It's cancelled. <laughs> Uh, Glimmerlow Rovers news another win over Old Bond last month and they are staging their football quiz night February 22nd 22nd and 50s are throwing it out there come get the smoke we want this this team we have we've got all sorts of superb characteristics to take us to the top of this quiz we have five men on our team and I tell you at least four of them know something about football there you go, yeah. <laughs> I'm so telling you. You deal with that, right? We want the smoke. Get in touch with Wooly. Get in touch with Ricky the Buff Keegan. It's going to be a great night. Check out Glemolo Rovers on Instagram at Glemolo Rovers and check them out Saturday. Walkinstown Park. Top of the table. League toppers. Champagne football, prof. You just wonder though, how will how will Tommy Kelly juggle this and the Everton job? Oh, stop. Yeah, congrats to Tommy. Yeah, congrats to Tommy. Um, Harry Kane name check Rovers on match of the day uh, he knew straight away he knew straight away it was a pretty cool video so the boy the Shamrock Rovers yeah I loved, how, I loved how fast he answered it straight away yeah, yeah. my first ever goal 18 years of age uh, Tommy Tormey TT Kerry enthusiast hereby flagging that the 100th anniversary of clinching of the first league title 22-23 falls on the 14th of April we beat Shells 7-2 away at Shelburne Park we have Shells and Tallaght on the 14th of April Hint, hint, nudge, nudge, ultras. Mm-hmm. Little thing for you. Nice coincidence the way that fell, right? Yeah, definitely. In Tata. Um, but Gar, it's back. We're back. Here we go, it's the quiz, prof. Now, we Gary, said we'd reduce it, didn't we? Two minutes? Oh, the timer. Yeah. Um, two minutes, yeah. Now, I'm not going to award you a point for one of these questions because you read Rose Stone today. And you know the answer. So, I'm sorry. No points for you on that one. So what, the what max, if, no. Well, what if I just forgot? The then, max you can get is nine today. I'm sorry. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Right. So, we are going to go for it. Prof is going to set the timer. Hold up me timer. We have got ten questions, which apparently I can only answer nine. <laughs> and we are going to go for it. Of two minutes. Read out the full question and the answer. And then pick my answer. All answers. Could be multiple choice. Are you ready to begin? I'm ready to begin. You ready? One, two, three. Go play quiz. Go. Uh, how many replays did it take to set the Rovers FAI Cup 1973 second round tie with Athlone? One, four, three, or two, three. Yes. Oh, very good. recently. Which manager took the Rovers job on an interim basis in 2008? Noel Sinnott, Anna O'Neill, Jim Crawford, Andy Moore, Jim Crawford. Woo. Very good. Two Trevor Clark's last competitive game for Rovers took place in which country in the summer of 2019? Cyprus, Ireland, Norway. Northern Ireland. Two all brand Norway. Who's the only the Who's the only player to miss a penalty in Rovers 2022 present? Oh well, I just happened to know this one. <laughs> this one doesn't count apparently, but Chris Forrester was the only one to miss a penalty. Who was the first person to write a book about Shamrock Rovers? Charlie Willoughby, Robert Goggins, Philip Green, Eamon Dunphy. Is this the one that was shit? Oh, Charlie Willoughby. Yes. <laughs> True or false? New sign of Marcus Poom has has played at Tallaght Stadium before. No, false because he was on the bench. <laughs> Where did Roddy Collins take the Rover squad for a preseason friendly in March 2005? France, Spain, USA, Portugal, Spain! <laughs> oh my gosh. John Jones, Kerry Spin, and last year, I don't know which club. Wexford, Glen Torrance, Glen Avon, Longford. Uh, Glen Avon. 
Oh! Saturday's game at UCD was Rovers first Leicester Senior Cup tie facing which club? Cluster, Danny Carr, Tom Sound, St. Moctis. Wait, Saturday's you. Oh, Thomas Town. No! No! I thought you would have drawn. Who scored the winning goal in the last time Rovers won an SSC Cup final? Oh, Aaron Green. Oh, no, James Chambers! Fuck me, I was on a roll there. You fell right into my trap the last question. But I can't believe you got cholesterol wrong. I don't know why. I, I just got. I read it twice. That was a present. Maloney got three in that. What is going on? Thomas Dan was 2017. Cholesterol was 2019. But oh. yeah, Maloney got three. I got I got nine out of ten there. Well, eight or nine. You scored eight out of ten according to that app, but really you got seven. Because I'm docking your points. Shut up. <laughs> Yes, so yeah, that was jeez, that was good. Cool. Oh, Brett, I was really on a roll there. Fair play. Um, uh, great answers. Neil Ferruja, here we go. So, Neil Ferruja, um, what do you call someone like a, a child like, prodigy? The, the child prodigy, here we go. Neil Ferruja, child prodigy. So, I'm delighted to be joined now by uh, Robert's wingback, Neil Ferruja. Uh, his second appearance in the podcast because we did quiz him there a couple of weeks ago. So, welcome back, Neil. Thank you, thank you. It's good to be back. So, just the most recent game there, UCD in the Lancer Senior Cup, you were playing at your former home. So, a uh, good 4-1 win for, for Roberts. Yeah, it was a good win indeed. Um, I thought we played quite well. Um, we'd been uh, we'd been over in uh, in Salou working on a few things and I think a UCD game was a good one to, to implement those things that we've learned. And all in all, it was a good performance by the team. What was the weather like, actually, in uh, Spain? Was it colder than, I suppose, you'd expect from uh, the continent? You know, the the weather itself, like, it was sunny. There wasn't one cloud in the sky, but the first couple of days were freezing. Um, <laughs> I don't know I don't know if it was just, like, I guess you were just expecting heat because of the sun. Uh, but to be fair, after that, the, the last couple of days, they were warm. Like, it was, uh, it was actually a nice, nice temperature. So our new signing, Marcus Poom, he was the standout from uh, Saturday. Great long-range strike, couple of assists. The second one in particular, it was a great ball in. So he's looking very good already, isn't he? Yeah, Marcus. Marcus looking. Uh, he's looking sharp, um, and he had a good game on uh, on uh, Saturday. Uh, so yeah, no, he's looking like a like a good addition to the team for sure. Uh, I was at the game myself and I was using the FEI Connect app. I don't know if you've uh, had a go at this yet, but uh, it is very good, but it, it lists everybody only by where they were born. So you're down as French. <clears throat> Alamance is born was born in Toronto, for example. So he's mm. Canadian. Pigo gets an Irish flag beside his name. Never mind all yeah. the caps for Cape Verde. So yeah. that's how it's going. But uh, you were born in Paris to an Irish mother and a French father. I was reading. So, when did you actually move to Dublin? Uh, so I moved to Dublin when I was about, uh, I think it was seven and a half or so. Uh, yeah, so it was about seven and a half. I moved to Dublin. Would you have <clears throat> Would you have many memories, or were you kind of too young in uh, in France? No, I had I had a good few memories. I think uh, when I was back there not too long ago, I think it was about a year ago or so now, and I went back to to where I grew up. And uh, oh, it was mad, mad weird experience. Like looking back at all, like the village that was there beside, and like the park that I used to go and play football. Like I remember the park being like massive in my head, you know. Like, uh, but I went back to it, and it was tiny, like a tiny. Uh, so uh, that was a weird experience. 
Yeah, you're eligible for a few countries. Um, I remember you telling me before when we were going to Malta for the Champions League game that your granddad is from Malta. Both his parents are from Malta as well. You didn't get to play against Hibs last summer, unfortunately, but you have been over there before, haven't you? Is there any family still left there? Uh, no, unfortunately, there isn't. Um, so my granddad, he actually was born in Egypt. Um, so uh, his gra- his granddad, I'm sorry, his dad, so my great-granddad. So he moved uh, to, to Egypt uh, for work. So like uh, back in the day, um, most Maltese, for that matter, moved out of Malta because there was no work in Malta. Uh, and so they moved to places like Egypt where they can... Uh, where they could find work, and uh, and so uh, so to be fair, I don't really have any uh, any family. Um, well, the only thing I would know is last time I was in Malta, um, I was uh, going through the my family lineage, like my second name, and if you actually trace it back to the roots of my name, I'm actually uh, based. So Malta has an island called Gozo, Island of Gozo, I think it's called, and that's mm-hmm. where my where my like sort of ancestry sort of uh, mm. comes from. Yeah. Friuja is a very common name over there, isn't it? Yeah, it would be. It would be. Uh, I think my granddad showed me a, a book. He had a book of all the common Maltese names, uh, and every second name in Malta has uh, some sort of a, a emblem. Um, and so he was showing uh, our emblem or whatever. So yeah, it was interesting. You have a fascinating family tree. Um, Malta yeah. did express an interest in you when you were a teenager, weren't you? But you ended up uh, playing for the, the Ireland 21s and uh, no approaches since then, no from the, the Maltese FA? Uh, sure, uh, nothing nothing I've heard anyway. Um, but yeah, they, they would have contacted me when I was in uh, playing for the other 19s and they contacted me for their 21s. Um, but yeah. Yeah, we'll talk about in a moment about your your um senior Ireland aspirations. But when you look at Pico, what he's done with Cape Verde, does that kind of make you think there's always a different road you could go down? So never say never. A hundred percent. Look, um, I remember chatting to Pico and him telling us about his experience going Cape Verde, uh, going playing the Afcon. Like it's, he says it was one of like probably one of or probably the best experience he's had. And um, and hearing that, and hearing the the people he's met, uh, all that sort of stuff, like it's it does make you wonder, doesn't it? Like, uh, is there a different road to take? Is uh, if it, if uh, one road doesn't work out, you know, um, hundred percent. Yeah, we'll see if Didier Deschamps uses the FEI Connect app and discovers <laughs> that you're eligible for the French. But uh, <laughs> yeah. going back to the college, uh, you're a biomedical science graduate. But yep. since then, you've you've devoted yourself to football since uh, completing your studies. Was UCD a good grounding for your football career? Definitely, yeah. No, I really enjoyed UCD. I think if for any young player to go through UCD is a great sort of um, experience. Um, I guess in UCD you had to sort of uh, um, you were always kind of around good players, and you're always encouraged to play. You know. Um, and uh, you're given the freedom to play and like you know freedom to make mistakes, which I think is very important as a young footballer to try to develop, to because you know you want you want to try things, you want to get better, and the only way you can do that is to actually make mistakes and to and um, and UCD was just a great environment to to learn all that and to and to improve. 
Yeah, that was under Cody O'Neill. And your old gaffer, he's found his way back to Rovers actually as well for the senior women's team. Have you managed to catch up with him? I actually haven't. Uh, the times I've been up in uh, in Roadstone, um, he's been doing sessions. So I was always keeping an eye out on his sessions. And, and hearing his voice uh, brings me back to my UCD days. <laughs> and uh, Liam Scales, of course, was there as well. He eventually followed you and Gary from UCD the following winter and he was sensational for a year and a half there which obviously moved him that earned him that move to Celtic but he, he was incredible for that year and a half wasn't he yeah Skelly look Skelly's always been a top player where when I played with him at UCD and and even the the times I've um I was playing with him in in Rovers like he I always thought he was a great player and uh he needed just a good run at Rovers and and then like you know, then it was the world. The world was his oyster. Then you know, uh, I was able to to crack on at Celtic. And um, but look, to me, he was always a, a top quality player, and he deserved the, that move and deserves to play at the at the high levels. And just before you came to Robbers, you were on trial at Manchester City. You trained with their under twenty three side. Um, what was that spell like, and how did then the move to Robbers end up happening? Um. To be yeah, so the city, um, yeah, so I went there for a few days and and it's amazing, like the place is unbelievable. Like it was just it was a great experience to be fair. Like this, um, I never seen anything like it, you know. Um, and but at the same time, I think I had come to decision, um, that I wasn't sure if I was that interested in the in sort of twenty threes football. I didn't know if that was the route I wanted to take. Um, I wanted to play at like. Um, you know, a club like Rovers, you know, in the first team, um, play in sort of like competitive league, you know, not like sort of under twenty threes league. Um, so that was kind of decision. I was I, that was around my head, like what what I was thinking back then, you know. And it's, look, I think uh, like you know, I backed the decision uh, night and day, playing in a men's league, playing in competitive league like League of Ireland is going to make you a better player. So you met up with Stephen Bradley. You obviously liked what he had to say. Yeah, exactly. And then uh, I spoke to the gaffer um, at the time, and everything he said, I I thought it was um, it was good. Like you know, it was interesting, and the way he went about things, and and what they were trying to build the Rovers, and and it was uh, something I want to be a part of. You came in at the same time as Gary O'Neill, and Gary really hit the ground running, didn't he? With the winning goal against Bran. In the Europa League, obviously the cup final winning penalty as well. Would Gary be one you're still close to in the dressing room going back to those UCD days? Oh, 100%. Look, guys, guys, one of my best mates, you know. I, uh, I've i been through a lot with him, you know. Um, I've come into Rovers and when it was just us two trying to trying to integrate in the team, like it was great to have him, like, you know. Uh, we enjoyed some great times together and look, he's been absolutely wonderful for Rovers. He, even if you take those goals, those those moments that he's had for the club, but if you take it as a whole, let's say last season, you know he's played most of all the players in the in the dressing room, and and he he's carried us to you know to, to his great success. Um, so he had a massive role in all of that, and um, it's those games where you know he doesn't necessarily score the winners, scores the uh, the big goals, but that he's a big part of um of the of the team, like you know the pillar in the team, sort of. Um, you know, if you want to use a metaphor, 
Yeah, and, and and for you personally, it was a bit of a wait until you could debut. It wasn't until October. Uh, in fact, the cup final was only your fourth appearance for the club. Uh, you came on as a sub up front, actually. What do you remember about the game itself, I suppose, before we talk about the aftermath? Yeah, so the, um, the game, the cup final game, is that, is that what you're Yeah, the cup yeah. final win, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, so I came on. I came on as a wing back. Actually, came off. Le- came on left wing back. Played there for about um, maybe. Actually, can't, couldn't even tell you. But I was there for a bit, and then changes were made, and I was brought up front. Uh, I was put up front. Um, look, to be honest, like it was a great. It was one of my best experiences um, as a football player because you know coming from UCD, you're not you uh, like playing in in front of so many fans in the Viva Stadium. Like it's just it's something that you never experienced before. And when it happens, you're, you're a bit in awe of everything, you know? Um, and it was a, but it was a great experience. Look, I enjoyed every moment of it, to be honest. And try and describe, I suppose, the, the emotion on the pitch, the dressing room afterwards, mingling with the fans afterwards, everything. How special was all that? Yeah, look, very, very special. I, uh, as I said, like, you know, from UCD, I remember when we won the league in UCD, the first division, and uh, we all went out uh, after we had a great night. But it was just like, you know, I think back to it, it was just like your average sort of uh, team night out in the end, wasn't it? Like, uh, it was just the team and uh, and girlfriends and, you know, maybe some close friends. Uh, but with Rovers, uh, with a big club like Rovers, it's it's everyone, you know, the fans, the the um, like the every, like family, everyone, and just... Um, the emotions, everything that's there—it's just everything is combined and intertwined, and and um, it's something that, as I said from UCD, you don't realize how big it is until you've done it, like with winning the cup and and uh, and having that experience, you know. Of course, it wasn't just that we'd won a trophy; it was that thirty-two year hoodoo. Did it really hit home when you spoke to people about what it meant? You probably spoke to a lot of people who said, "I've never seen yeah. this, win this cup before." No, that's exactly it. Talked to many fans, and I've said those exact words, and uh, and how much they they cherished it, you know, and uh, how much they enjoyed the, the the night and the win and everything. And it was great to hear back from them, you know. Um, it was uh, yeah, it's quite emotional altogether, to be fair. And um, I suppose speaking to your teammates, did you all feel like this is the start of something now? You've you've won the trophy. Which was really important for the squad where the where the momentum was going. When we got that trophy on the boards, I feel like that this is going to be a springboard now to hopefully league success. Yeah, I think so. Look, no one said it. You know, you, that's I don't think that's something that you say, but I think it's something that we felt. Um, because what it takes is one win to really get that confidence, that confident booster to be like, you know what, like we can do, we can do even more than this. You know, we can do. We can win the league. We can do this and we can do that. And it was just a, it was just yeah, as I said, like a big confidence booster for for the team. And but we didn't know what was going to happen at that stage after that. Um, you know, in the moment you don't know. Uh, but as I said, what it did give us is a big confidence booster going to the the next season. And of course, he won the league in twenty twenty, uh, nearly all behind closed doors. And uh, we were league champions, but I'm just going to jump ahead to the game against Waterford in May 2021. Um, Obviously, you've had this run of hamstring problems. And when you finally made your comeback in that game, but then 
you broke down. I remember the fans in the stadium that day were good for you because we really, want, really wanted to see you get back. Mm. Was that demoralizing for you? How did you cope with that mentally that day? Yeah, look, to be honest, it was. I've had issues, you know, like I guess in that in that game is when all the fans they all see it and they they see the disappointment and all that mm-hmm. and. But to be like that exact feeling, that exact like sort of whatever hamstring injury that I felt, probably felt that like maybe three or four times prior in trainings, you know, um, it was a constant sort of battle coming back and then breaking down again. It just so happens at that time I sort of kind of got past the the sort of the training phase into the game, and then you know as you know I kind of ended up injuring it again in the game, um. So it was very yeah, it looks very demoralizing. I hate I hate thinking back to to that to that period of time because it wasn't it was a very nice sort of experience I had. Um um but you know, I think at that time then is when we were we were like, look, I think it's time that we ha- go see a specialist and and um and go and see that specialist is probably the best thing I could have done for my career. Yeah, you saw the specialist in London and Obviously, this surgery that you had seemed to really clear things up to the point where you had a hamstring problem early on last season. You kind of knew yourself, this is not a big deal. Mm. Yeah, it was also it was also my other hamstring, my uh, okay. the, non, the non-operated one. I forgot um, about that, actually, yeah. Yeah, so it was, uh, uh, yeah, look, I, I kind of knew. I've, the thing is that w- with that injury I had with my, uh, uh, with the, when I had the operation, but everything before, like the Waterford game and the times I felt it in training, kind of felt like a hamstring strain so many times now that I know exactly how it feels and I kind of know exactly, or not exactly, but to a certain extent on, on how bad they can they can feel and how okay they can feel. Um, and so I kind of knew after that game that, look, uh, it might not be so bad, you know? But it's they're just hunches at the end of the day, aren't they? Mm. Yeah. I remember seeing a headline... Uh, in the paper with Luke Byrne when he used to play for us because uh, Luke suffered a serious injury he was out for I think uh, an entire year and he said uh, I, I spend more time on Tony McCarthy than I do on my own missus so I just maybe think of you maybe because we interviewed Darren Dillon last week as well and he said he got really close to many of you guys so I'm just thinking Tony and Darren in particular did you find yourself alone with them for long periods and did you kind of get close to those guys? Ah, uh, yeah. Look, with Tony, like, geez, with Tony, when when you're injured, that's the only person you see, you know, um, from the mornings to the afternoons to the times when we go away in Europe and you uh, and you go away and you do rehab with Tony. Like, it's it's uh, it's the only person you see and you end up growing close to them. And, and uh, but, you know, at the same time, Tony is, um, he's actually someone that, you don't mind spending that much time with. He makes that time seem sort of, you know, because it is a tough time for you being injured, but Tony kind of makes it better. It makes, makes jokes, makes it more lighthearted, gets you through it, you know, and that's, you know, that's a big part about being a physio is, uh, is having to deal with the mental side of the injury for, with players. And, and sometimes it could be, you know, it could be quite hard for the player, but to have someone like Tony coming in and, and make the things, you know, make the simple things a bit uh, more lighthearted is, uh, uh, makes the journey of being injured is uh, much better. So you're obviously itching to get back playing, and uh, you played kind of sporadically the first half of last season, but then you played every single one of the last 27 matches. 
of last season, thanks in part to, I suppose, the way Brazzer used the squad. Everybody feels like they're going to play a part, but nobody else has played all of the last 27 matches. So you must feel uh, fantastic with that being on the pitch and like your injury woes could be behind you now. Yeah, look, exactly. When I, you know, when when you're injured, the only thing you want is to play. And then when you're playing, it's kind of like you forget that you had those, you know, you kind of take it for granted then, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, and, uh, but when I was, when I did have that good run, like all I kept thinking about was like how grateful I was to, for my body to respond, you know, normally and correctly and to be able to go through all those games um without any injuries um and uh so it did yeah look it felt it felt great to 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 get all those games on the belt and to, you know to play big european games as well like all those experiences uh they're ones i'll never forget to be honest and you must be really pleased that you were chipping in as well towards the end of the season uh the two goals against harps the winner against ucd uh i remember an assist in drada you gave the fullback a torrid time that day and Ghent at home in particular, I thought you were you were excellent. So you re, were you really enjoying your football in that spell, especially when you're pushed further up the pitch? Do you particularly enjoy that? Yeah, definitely. Um I I guess I was in a I was in a good state of mind at that stage. I was enjoying the, I was enjoying football and and um I was enjoying how we were playing and and everything was kind of falling into place for me and um and things were going well for me, and I was just, I guess, in a, in a good, at a good stage. Um, and uh, you know, you don't, you don't want to really want to take things for granted in the in those situations. But I was enjoying every minute of it, and that kind of fed into my game, you know. So, um, so yeah, yeah, it was a long, grueling season. But I'd say you were probably the only one who didn't want it to end. <laughs> You're not wrong, to be honest. I was, I was really enjoying it. Uh, I want more games for sure. And just on the switch to the right flank, um, just a quote from Stephen Bradley. I remember him saying this at the time. He said, uh, "It's just giving you that little bit of freedom because usually, when you're on the left, people double up on you and you they kill your space. Nine times out of ten, the way we have the ball, teams drop and drop, and the space is inside. So it's about seeing if we can find those pockets for him and allow him to be a bit a bit freer." Uh, we'll possibly see him playing on that side more, which you have done. Um, I suppose. Uh, do you think about that now that you've switched to the right hand side? What do you? What have you adjusted in your game now that you've moved over to the right wing back uh, position? I think. Um, I think when I when I moved to right wing back, I became more direct as a player. I think I was looking for more to like you know. Can you get me on the ball and can I get at the fullback? Um, and I think on the right just gives me that bit more like sort of um, variability in my play in terms of I could go either inside or outside. Um, I'm confident both on my left and my right in those situations. Whereas when I'm on the left, um, what I'm trying to what I, in my head I'm like right, I just need to get the ball down the line and try to get across it. You know, which at the end could in the end it could be easy enough to defend. Um, if you you know, as Gaffer said, if you double up, um, so when I'm on the right, I feel like I have two options, you know, um, and it makes it harder to defend. In, ter- in terms of European matches, um, you did play against AC Milan and uh, <clears throat> certain Zlatan Ibrahimovic, but you missed the, the European campaign in 2021. 
So mm. did it mean a lot to you now to you played every single group game? Did it mean a lot to play on that stage and at that level? Yeah, look, it was playing in Europe is um is a great experience and and probably one of the biggest uh sort of down points with uh when I was having those hamstring injuries was missing all uh, all the European games. Um mm. just playing on that stage and then the and the 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 atmosphere in the stadium like it's it's unbelievable like and uh, it's something that you miss loads when you miss them like um and uh when i got back into playing those games it was uh it was just like a nearly a new experience for me you know because even like the ac milan games like they're all closed they're behind closed doors and mm-hmm. then get to experience the the full you know, the full whack of all the fans being there and the and the atmosphere and the, the energy in the place like and uh and so it's just basically like a new experience for me and it was, um, it, was it was you know it's class being there and and, and and you know playing well on top of that as well in terms of um ireland um the manager stephen kenny you actually scored in his first competitive match as ireland on 21 manager and he's obviously not forgotten that because he was very complimentary towards you i think it was in september uh, I believe he said you had the most potential to play at senior level uh, of all the League of Ireland players he had in mind. Uh, he, he spoke about your high level of skill and he compared your athleticism to Kevin Caban. So was that encouraging to know that you remain in his thoughts? Yeah, definitely. Um, definitely. It's, I think, you know, he's a, he's a good confidence booster and it was, it was also just a good... A good um, you know, a way for me to know that look, what I'm doing is uh, I'm doing well, and I'm taking the right boxes, and I'm performing well, and um, and I just kind of just to keep going. Um, uh, but at the same time, I didn't want it to, you know, to play. Didn't want to concentrate on. It. I didn't want it to focus on it too much. Uh, I remember at the time, I was just like, look, it's great to hear, but I want to keep going. I want to keep thinking about the next game, and and things will fall into pe- uh, fall into place uh, if I keep doing what I'm doing. You know. Uh, you're on standby, I think, for the November friendlies. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Well, it must be uh, exciting to be, I suppose, so close. You know, you know, it could be around the car soon. But um, just in terms of general news, um, we've nearly sold 4,000 season tickets as we speak here on Monday night. It's an incredible figure. So when Tata Stadium is sold out, we had many 7,000 plus uh, 10s last year. When the supporters are getting behind you in a game, um, do you feel like it makes a difference on the pitch when we're if we're pushing for an equalizer or a winner? Do you feel that energy? Oh, big time, yeah, big time. I think in uh, in every sense, in every game situation, you you can think of the fans will help. Whether that be we're one 0 down and we're looking for for an extra goal, or we're two one up, five minutes left to play, we're under the cosh, the fans are there to, to encourage you. And to defend and all that sort of stuff. So in every sense of of or any game situation we find ourselves in, the fans always play a role. Um, and you know, like one of the for me, one of the best experiences as a player is coming onto the pitch, and um, when um, when all the fans are are roaring and all that, it's, it just gives me goosebumps thinking about it. To be honest, um, it's a great experience. Well, the obvious one is the Shelburne 3-2 win because a lot of fans pointed that match. Um, some of the players have pointed to as well as a defining moment in last year's title win. Uh, you played the full 90 minutes that day. So 
describe the the roller coaster of emotions from being behind with ten minutes left all the way to the the wild celebrations afterwards. Yeah, it was a crazy game. Uh, thinking back to it, like the weather conditions were awful. Like it was just raining and the wind. I remember that day was just was like there's nothing like it that I'd ever felt like and uh and but yeah it was some roller coaster wasn't it and I think we 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 pushed on so so much that like it's kind of like all or nothing sort of thing and uh when that game when that goal went in uh I couldn't like it was just couldn't really understand in the moment you know I was just like ecstatic about the whole situation and then when the game ended it was more like you know relief that makes sense you're like oh you know thank god that's over thank god we got the win um so yeah it was a great experience it was absolute pandemonium wasn't it the whole bench emptying onto the pitch and everything yeah Um, yeah to be fair it was probably it was probably was a massive turning point for us for for uh for the league at at that stage and just one last note on the fans um are you aware of the couple of songs they have for you there's one there was one they made up very early on, Buddy Holly, Heartbeat, and they have one as well. It's a Swedish song dedicated to you. Have you heard this? Uh, go on. Uh, well, really... I'm not going to sing. I can send you the YouTube link I think... later. But, uh... What's the lyrics for it? What's the lyrics for it? The, we should the Buddy Holly one. Yeah. Uh, heartbeat. Uh, Neil, Neil Ferrugia runs down the wing for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. the one I was thinking of. Yeah, yeah no, I have heard that one. Yeah, it's, oh. a, it's a decent one to be fair. I I heard it uh most strongly in the draw of the game because I was cause out on the right wing and that's where the uh, all the fans are. Ah, uh, yeah. so uh, so I remember I remember that game. I'd say that was the oldest they love singing that. I remember them singing that on the bus the week after you signed and you hadn't even played yet. And I was like, <laughs> We're singing songs for Neil Real yet. He's he's injured, he hasn't played for us yet. But uh <laughs> That's a good sign. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mentioned Scalzi earlier. Moving on, Andy Lyons has obviously gone as well. Gaffer has always had to replace these quality players season after season, hasn't it? But the ones he's brought in, these four, we spoke about Marcus Puma already. Do you feel they might will possibly give us a new dimension and certainly an injection of pace around the pitch this season? Yeah, I think so. I think uh, I think those are good points. I think every player that we brought in are going to bring their own quality to, um, and their own sort of attributes to the team, um, that will definitely benefit going uh, for us going forward. You know, bring that sort of that that raw pace and uh, just just add an extra dimension to, to how we play, um, will definitely benefit us coming into the league and into Europe. Yeah, definitely. And all the talk will be about the four in a row this season. Um, Derry will have a, a lot to say about that, obviously. But uh, could potentially be another massive season for the club. How much does that excite the players, having already added the second star on the on the jersey, but now another chance for a place in history? Yeah, I think uh, I think a four in a row. This is the talk in the dressing room, and it's uh, it's definitely something that will be you know have it at the back of our heads but I don't think it's healthy for us to, to constantly uh, concentrate on it um, I'm definitely the type to just think game after game after game um, but look four in a row it'd be great wouldn't it don't worry the media will mention it every single week so you yeah. don't have to but uh, 
Presence Cup in Derry on Friday. Um, it'd be possibly a nice way to start off the season with a bit of silverware, uh, like last year. Yeah, definitely. Um, think things are shape up to be a good game. Uh, Presence Cups are always um because it's the first game of the well, yeah, it's like the first game of the season or the game before the the first game of the league. Um, kind of is is like a way to see right this is where we're at and this is what we want to do this season and this is the levels that we're going to be hitting. So it's um it's always going to be. Uh, a tough game, um, especially with with Derry. I feel like they've got a they've got a lot to prove. Are you implying that the Leinster Senior Cup is not our first competitive oh. game of the season? That's a disgraceful no. argument. <laughs> no, it is. It is. It is. <laughs> <laughs> all this com- all this cup competition in Ireland. Yeah, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't there. It was because it, it wasn't there last year, wasn't it? Or the two, no. two years, two or three years. Twenty nineteen was the last one. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, finally, before I let you go, uh, if you can humor me for a few minutes, definitely. Um, we did the quiz, obviously, but before we did the quiz, I had you fill in a little section, a little movie section, uh, because it was an idea for a future segment of the podcast. So, you're going to be our guinea pig, as it were. Uh, I asked you six questions, so we'll just chat about them for a couple of minutes. Number one yeah. was name some of your favorite films, and you just wrote one down. Uh, Good Bill Hunting. So, why do you love that film? Because uh, uh, when you asked me that question, I think I watched the film about like maybe about a month ago before that. Uh, you asked me, and uh, I remember loving it. Like, you know, like, oh, what a what a movie! Like, you know, and um, it's a pretty old movie, you know. And so I was chatting to some of my mates, and they're talking. They're saying, like, "Hey, have you not seen this movie? It's a classic. It's a great movie, and all that." So it was only coming to light to me this movie, like, and. Uh, but yeah, definitely, I really enjoyed it. To be fair, I thought you were going to say you've loved it for like ten years or something. No, no, I swear to God, I only, only watched it a few months ago, and uh, I didn't realize that it was all um, is written uh, by Matt Damon and someone else. I think Matt um, Damon and Ben Affleck co-wrote it. Yeah, too. yeah, which I thought was I only my my mates were saying that to me. I didn't know that when I was watching it. I was reading the story behind it. Yeah, they wrote it a few years beforehand. Mm. And they left the Robin Williams role kind of blank, so they, yeah. they hopefully attract someone of his caliber, so they could get it made. And they fought and fought and made sure that they were the ones who acted. You know, they wanted like Leonardo DiCaprio and everybody else, but they just they wouldn't back down. Interesting. Um. So based on your recommendation, I watched it myself for the first time uh, yeah. last night, and I I actually I loved it myself. Yeah. Um. I think my favorite part was. Um, when they're on the lake and Robin Williams goes into this big speech and the camera just stays on him the whole time and at this point Matt Damon has never shut up talking for more than four yeah, seconds yeah. and you don't yeah. hear from him or see him during this whole speech from Robin Williams and I thought that was amazing yeah yeah no it was no, that was definitely a good scene I don't know how much we could talk about it because I don't want to spoil have any spoilers but I love the last scene the very last one. Yeah, I was going to mention that actually. Um, Robin yeah, yeah. Uh, Robin Williams improvised that line. Apparently, he wasn't supposed to speak there. Oh, he was he just not? he was just supposed to read that, and then that was that was the end. But uh, yeah, no spoilers. Yeah, interesting. Uh, second question was name some of your favorite actors, and you've gone from Matt Damon. <laughs> that was and... purely based on that movie as well. <laughs> and then <laughs> a famous movie. 
you've never seen but want to do again the Matt Damon theme uh, Talented yeah. Mr. Ripley you went for yes I have um, I still haven't watched it to be fair um, but it's just I think it's on Netflix and it keeps coming up on my uh, on the as a suggested film I'm always mm-hmm. like tempted to click on it but as a god I, I don't have two hours right now like you know I'll, I'll wait till next time but that's definitely like the next one on my list like 100% yeah I've I love that film I've seen it three or four times uh, it's really, really rewatchable. Is it? Yeah. And um, the late Philip Seymour Hoffman, he's he's fantastic in it. Okay. No, and, I'm looking, um, I'll definitely watch it. There's a thing on on YouTube. Um, have you ever seen those GQ interviews where they interview someone and it's so and so talks about their most iconic roles? Um, they do, they've done it with loads of actors. I was I was watching the Matt Damon one there. Uh, the other day and it goes through like six of his films but there's spoilers from uh, Ripley in it so don't watch that until okay. until you've seen Ripley okay okay um, sounds good have you seen The Martian? yes I have I've yeah. uh, I've seen The Martian yeah and I've actually uh, so that was based on a book which I, did, I didn't realise because I definitely would have read the book before watching it uh, mm. but then I I found out there's another book that was written by the the same the same guy and uh, that was really good actually it, they, I'm not sure if they're going to make a movie out of it but uh, but yeah yeah in the interview Matt Damon said I don't know if I can do this film he said that to the director uh, was it Ridley Scott he was like I can't do this I literally just played a movie Interstellar where I was abandoned on the planet I can't, I can't do it again and the director <laughs> just goes no one gives a shit about that just make the movie <laughs> But, uh, question four was is there an old movie you watched again at Christmas and still loved and you said Harry Potter yeah classic I've, I've actually never seen Harry Potter there you go have you not no way I just, I just don't think I'll be into it I really don't oh, everyone says that until they watch them <laughs> do, do you know what the books are better though yeah the books are better and so I definitely recommend the books over the movies um and uh but definitely then watch the movies after <laughs> uh number five was last movie you just saw in the cinema and give the score out of 10 you said the batman and you gave it six out of ten so you weren't you weren't, you weren't particularly impressed with the batman no i i think um um i don't know i think when you compare it to like the dark knight you compare mm-hmm. it to those ones it's just like it's just not on the same level and this is what I was expecting, and it was just uh, it's just not what I what I was expecting, you know. And more, way more darker themed, you know. And I felt like even the the sort of uh, the action and uh, and even the plot, I remember wasn't just wasn't uh, wasn't what I thought it'd be, um, or wasn't what I at the level I was expecting, like the Dark Knight and all that. Yeah, my co-host Gary, he said uh, it's moody. Um, I, this is another one I have a feeling I won't like because, like yourself, I'm a massive fan of the Dark Knight trilogy. Yeah, so I have a feeling I won't be into this. No, I don't think you will, to be honest. And yeah. the last last question was, what's a film you watched in the past year and thought was absolutely shite? Although you didn't, you said you didn't think it was shite, but you chose the killing <sighs> of a sacred deer. So, what did you think of this film? Yeah, look, it's it's actually rated quite highly. Um, has really good critics it's just I remember watching it and I was just so freaked out by the whole thing 
it's <laughs> and like you know i guess that i guess it's not like a proper uh like it's definitely not shite like you definitely wouldn't say it's shite but it's just not a movie i'd watch again uh but at the same time i would love for someone else to watch it so i could talk about it with them if that makes <laughs> sense because it was uh it was it's was just a very mad sort of uh idea behind the whole thing um and uh yeah so out of curiosity, I will watch it and I'll I'll uh, I'll send you a text and I'll give you my thoughts on it. But um, yeah, sounds good. Colin Farrell and Barry Keoghan were in this interesting because they're kind of in mm. the news at the moment. Barry got the Oscar nominations. That that's kind of piqued my interest now that they're both in it together. It's from twenty seventeen. Yeah. But, uh, no, look, they they were to be fair, they're wonderful actors in them. Like like the whole, like the whole movie itself is really good. Like well, like it's good it's just the concept behind it's not the actor's fault like it's just the the concept behind the whole movie is just uh, a lot much different than what you've ever watched before <laughs> okay i'm intrigued yeah uh, well that's it neil thanks so much for going through your career and your favorite movies uh mash of those two things uh thanks a million for joining us no worries at all it was a pleasure yeah so neil Ferrugia and prof no offense to the guy i don't know if he listens or not but that was the most surprising interview i think you've ever done because I just thought of him as the quiet bookworm type who loves studying and believing cert and science. And Matt Damon movies. And Matt Damon movies. So the massive misconception, um, and I apologise to Nave Ruger, but that was brilliant. And a very, very cool bloke. Yeah, no, I've chatted to him a few times. <clears throat> I interviewed him when, when I signed them, and I remember I remember um, that being a decent interview. And when you remember, remember that terrible performance against UCD where he scored the winner, mm. and he won the Man the Match Award, which... You probably deserved, but overall it was an awful, awful display. But um, I, I'm thinking back to those. I just thought, yeah, this this could be a good interview. No, he, very very cool. And like like he qualifies for Egypt, France, Malta, and Ireland. Literally, yeah. His grandfather's Egyptian. Like this is that's nuts. He has family all over the world. I think he was saying to you before he, his grandfather considered himself Maltese. Because he moved there at a young age, but yeah, yeah. He qualifies for Egypt. Either way, Egypt come call, and you're gonna give them a show, yeah. aren't you? Um, I did that on Monday night. Um, I was working overtime on on the bank holiday Monday, and uh, it was a ridiculous shift uh, staying until the eight pm. And I made a dash for the bus, and uh, the Fruji interview was at nine. And so I was like, oh, I want, I need to get this bus. And as I ran for the bus, I only had a couple of minutes. I fell something in my leg. And I thought, Prof, is this gonna, I'm going to have to play this the slow music. And I thought, this could be the irony of all ironies. Have I just pulled my hamstring? <laughs> pull, pull, pull. Rushing to get home and interview Neil Ferrugia. But thankfully, uh, it was nothing serious. Uh, there was something else swinging around I don't, down there, was it? <laughs> I don't need to see a specialist in London. Um, <sighs> he was, uh, we were talking off air about what interviews he's done. And I said... I remember my RT soccer podcast, November 2021. I thought it was last year, but that was actually two seasons ago. And he was on LOI Central as well in the middle of 2019. And I was just kind of searching his name on Twitter. And I, the only result was somebody talking about it. And it was some fella saying, oh yeah, I enjoyed that interview with Ireland's poshest footballer. <laughs> <laughs> I can just imagine him sitting at home drinking wine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Swirling it, looking at the bookcase, which 
and, and a bit of faint piano in the background. Yeah. <laughs> Sculptures everywhere. Yeah. I know he's adorned with paintings on the walls. I'm taking this too far. Um, I know he's, he's a lovely guy. Uh, really interesting interview. Tchaikovsky. But, um, as for the, the movies, just like have a quick run through what your answers would have been. Favourite movies, favourite actors? I'm going to say Sam Rockwell. Love Sam Rockwell. Oh yes, agree with that. Um, love Stephen Graham. Probably my favourite. Um, True Romance is one of my favourite ever films growing up. Pulp Fiction. Um, oh God. I hate being put on the spot like this because I end up just going down a Tarantino rabbit hole. Yeah. But yeah, that's top of my head. I'd, I'd go with that. Um because of nostalgia, I always go back to Back to the Future and Terminator. I'll make a proper top ten one day, but uh, takes a lot. It takes a lot into it. Now, just so you know, Prof has a former life as a movie critic. If former. you don't know, Prof was like a movie. Well, he is a movie expert, and he just. I'm, no, I'm, con- con- I'm convinced you have a pseudonym, and you write like top quality <laughs> reviews for like Rotten Tomatoes. Go or on, call me the word. You always call me. Nerd! No, no, you call me a movie snob. Well, yeah, nerd as well. <laughs> yeah, um, absolute movie snob is an understatement. <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, watched uh, like Alien last night, and then I, I, I'd be like, prophet's typing. Like, oh, here we go. <laughs> Paragraph snob. Paragraph. I'm like, prophet. Just, I just wanted to talk about it briefly. I didn't yeah. want. I didn't want you to review it. I go into detail, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, favorite actors at the moment would be Tom Hardy, Pedro Pascal. Oh, Pedro's uh, running the show. Loving the Last of Us. Um, a film you watched recently and loved again for me was actually RoboCop. RoboCop, the original, absolute classic. I watched Barbarian, and you watched that on my I recommendation. Did. I did, yeah, uh, and I loved it. It was very good. Excellent. If you like, I'm a horror buff. Love horror movies. But uh, the, the the spirit of that question was more an older film you ooh. watched, say maybe over Christmas or something. I'm gonna say Robocop Lord, was Lord of the Rings, 1990. Lord of the Rings, I watch every day of the week. Yeah. Rob Lavelle, one of our Tifty's bogies, went to the cinema and watched all three in a row with his son Brandon before. So that's ten hours. You mean say. they replayed them in the cinema? They played the three yeah. of them back to back. He sat there and watched them all. Is that like? It's not healthy. Four, right. That's like nearly ten hours. Three, so three, at least three. ten hours. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, what else we got? Movie you saw in the cinema and rated out of ten. I'm going. Do you know what? I'm going to the cinema. Probably since COVID, is it? More. I couldn't tell you. Possibly ten years. Ten. I swear to God, I, well, I don't go to cinema. It's something I got back into. I get all antsy and all. I'm just like. It's something like be here. the year before COVID, I started going back again, kind of liking it, and then I was I was sad when everything. Um, Obviously shut down, and <clears throat> I think the last one I saw was Spider Man, uh, the most recent one. Yeah, uh, I would have given it out a ten, maybe eight, seven and a half. Um, the the crowd absolutely. I won't give any spoilers, but when the those characters returned, people lost their shit. It That's was, the thing. That was the opening night. I think it was in Rat Minds. This is the gen, yeah, like that's the Gen Z cinema audience who talk, who make noise, Mm. who go, oh, and like, I'm not, I want to watch film. Well, that was, they were the only two times. Well, you open your mouth In fairness, yeah. Now, in general, if you're talking during a film, I I want you to die. I I know for a fact you're a shusher. (laughs) Never shushed anyone, but. Only sunny in Philadelphia. (laughs) Shusher. Prop definitely a shusher. Someone made a great point actually in the podcast. Listen, to, if you if you're watching that Spider-Man film at home and it, you don't have those two pops, 
and the movie is like leaving a little breather for you to react and mm. you're on your own and you're like well what's, what's this about yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's quite strange it kind of it takes the takes it down a notch I think if you're not in a cinema uh, as for films I have never seen but I always wanted to, I wrote a few down here The Exorcist Apocalypse Now Unforgiven 1992 Clint Eastwood yeah and Requiem for a Dream I've never seen right mine I've seen the last scene of Requiem for a Dream uh, not still for children I will say <laughs> um, but I've never seen the whole film only recently I only watched Harry Potter which I I used to take the piss out of but Harry Potter is the biz me and Neil Ferrugia Harry Potter bros um, nerd uh, Mission Impossible never seen one of them really not one that's a weird franchise because the first one's excellent and then there's the two or three meh ones and then it started to get really good again I'm trying to think what else Um, no top of my head that's that's all I can think of now what else we got that Prof is that our film section that was the film section yeah that was it just an idea we might we had this we had an idea for this we remember yeah. Jonesy we said we were going to get Jonesy on who has just climbed Tanzania's Kilimanjaro so congratulations to Jonesy um, I told him to stick on tifties so you can <laughs> that can be a place you listen yeah, to yeah yeah so he spent 12 days in Tanzania and climbing in Kilimanjaro and listen he's living his life he's gotten a big big break when it comes to something that he's been writing with so keep an eye and ear out for Jonesy coming on the show we're going to be chatting about something real soon hopefully but um, yeah so something we could come back to later in the season with some of the players rather than you know asking them the usual questions was that a good win over uh, Sligo or UCD rather like tell us about the film you watched yeah, yeah. do you know what I always go back to it's I think left field one of the most interesting conversations that comes to TV and film is the best badasses of all time Ooh. so I'd always go down like Gus Fring absolute badass The go- was it the governor in Walking Dead who was a badass yeah he was brilliant you know people like that um, Boardwalk Empire do you remember that Nuggy Jip Rossetti yeah Fucking what? What's his name? Oh, now? you're a big fan of his, yeah, yeah. Bobby Cannavale. Yeah. What a character! You know that's that's a debate you could go on for an hour or two just the top of your head. Like who else? Uh, Peaky Blinders. Tom Hardy. Peaky Blinders. Absolute badass. Well, you say Gus Fring. If you watch Better Call Saul as well, uh, Mike in Better Call Saul. Mike is the reason I actually started this whole debate. Yeah. Mike Garman true. I love him. What a what a character. See, yeah. look, you can go on for ages. Yeah, give us your badasses. Give us your favourite badasses. Jip Rosetti, remember him? Um, yeah, so Prof, up next, we have Stern Levin's predictions. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, Stern Levin's and predictions. Uh, Prof, just before we go any further, actually, just a big shout out to the Pride of Rings End who are making us pay to get into their WhatsApp group. You'd never get it at Tifties, absolute disgrace. And I'm officially announcing my candidacy for the committee. On Pride of Rings End, I'm gonna run with the premise of free cans on the bus, on the Pride of Rings End bus, and I think that's a good and strong basis here to run and the platform that I want to go forward with. But yeah, I am officially running for election for the committee of Pride of Rings End. Just for context here, I've opened up the Pride of Rings End WhatsApp group. Gary was added into this group, which at, I had to pay for, by the way, at half five today, and he is already running for president. <laughs> It's a coup. It's a bloody coup. And if it comes down to it, it's going to happen. <laughs> but yeah, no, big shout out to the Pride Rings End. And uh, fairly extensive 
good contacts in that group. Like, it's a huge WhatsApp group. I thought it'd be just Joe's and Ed Sol <laughs> doing karaoke. Paul McGrath's worst nightmare. But yeah, but it's not. <laughs> Uh, big shout out to the lads doing great work in the Prairie Rings end. but we're on to the start levels and predictions Prof and I've been scribbling away here for a while I think we should go with a good team I'm mm-hmm. going. Ex- I'm not going experimental but I'm going to go Manus Grace, Pico, Cleary I think Har hasn't played much so I'm going to go Grace, Pico and Cleary right Farouge on the left right get up that line whip balls in on the left yes even after the interview you just <clears> heard about <throat> him on the right exactly yeah exactly yeah can't be giving it away, Prof. You mm-hmm. have to, you gotta you gotta be coy about this. I'm gonna go Finn on the right. I think Finn plays up in Derry. Uh Poom and the Goon. Gary O'Neill. So Padre Pio and Poom in the middle. I'm gonna go Power, Kenny and Bourne. Ooh, so you're changing it up because of what game it is. This yeah. this isn't gonna be your eleven against Sligo. Absolutely not. But I like I'm not I'm not belittling it, but it is a friendly competition. My thinking is actually play the team you're going to play in Stigo in this game. Interesting. Interesting, yeah. Very, very interesting. But I'm going to go two all, Prof. Kenny and Poom and a penalty win for Rovers. Unless Brazzer will think about the the pitch or something, maybe he won't play certain players. But, um, Do you know what, actually, when you say that, Bourne's not going to play here, is he? Jack. Um, maybe Watts. Maybe Watts will play instead of him. But it's like you've got Tell, you've got... Watts, you've got, um, well, you've got Hor. <coughs> it's Bort. Bort is probably still out. We're not sure. So what would your what would your yeah, be? Yeah, well, when I call it my eleven, it's not so much I expect this eleven to play in Derry. This is just totally experimental it's, on my part. It's more. Uh, this is the first eleven I'm. I would like to see start together in the first league game. Let's say, but uh, I've got Manus, Fruja right wing back, Clark left wing back, Pigo Cleary Hor. Jack, Bert, Gary O'Neill and Poom oh, prof. and Gaffney. I'm liking this, prof. Now, it actually killed me to leave out Kenny because I want to see Kenny play. <laughs> I, I think Kenny's in form and I think Power's in form pre-season so I think they could possibly, they're here to stake a claim for the fourth team, you know? So I think this competition is probably perfect for that type of thing. Um, maybe, maybe crazy playing Power up on this Astro but then again, that's Mm. That's standard, isn't it? That's how it works. Also, I said hard there. He hasn't featured at all in the friendlies, so yeah, is that's, he why, be, that's what I took into account. Is he going to be involved in the next few weeks? Maybe he's not ready yet. It'll be very interesting um, anyway to see what what team is put out. And like you said, um, it could be a trial run for our season opener or a court and razor. Mm-hmm. Prof, I'm loving that phrase, court and razor. I'm actually um, it, the starting eleven will be interesting enough, but the subs, like we're we're. There's been a pattern to the subs the last couple of seasons. Is like you almost you can almost predict one, two, three, but with these four signings, plus power is practically a new signing from last season. Yep. I'd be interested to see each player come on like where they play, and they're all be itching to make an impact. So, like from I'm looking I, forward to Friday in that sense. From what I've heard, as regards to Bort, is that on his day he's the best in the league. Like he's up there with Jack. What we're hit. that's just from a ball's perspective saying how good he was, and that's not true grit of tea either. That's just being honest. Bork Bork has a big season here as well. I did, I left him out because I know what he's got. You know what I mean. I know what's what Bork has in the ta- in the tank. I want to see more power. Bork needs a big season this year as well for me. He's just such a good player. He's got so much ability 
if he can get consistency out and keep him injury free you just know at some stage in the season we'll forget about Burke for a few weeks and then all of a sudden he'll explode he'll score a hat-trick he'll score a hat-trick yeah. he'll change a game and we'd be like fucking hell and they'd be like well he's undroppable again yeah yeah that and he, then you can turn that fast with Burke exactly yeah it is it's nuts but it's very very interesting I think Gaffney might be struggling slightly Um you got Richie Tell, who I want to have a massive, massive season this year. With the arrival of Poom, I don't know, we don't even see him, Poom, we're getting excited about him. It's interesting, I want Richie to have a big, big season. I think he's an excellent, excellent footballer on his day. It's it's very, very hard to pick this team. And even now, we're leaving Hor out there, we're leaving Gannon out there, we're leaving Clark out there. Um, I'm not sure if Clark's ready, that's the thing. But Fru just starts all day. Kenny, I just... Actually, didn't Clark come off? Um, he came off early and won the friendlies as well. He's obviously not quite yeah. match fit. So, like, like, let's be honest, we're not going to see like Clark and Hoare yeah. on Friday. So, really interesting. Now, what's your prediction actually? Prediction? Uh, I think this will go to penalties again. Yeah. So, so I'll say, I'll say one all, and we'll we'll win on penalties. Who gets the goal, Prof? Who gets our goal? I'd say power to come off the bench and score. I was, I was raising my hands there waiting for a poom <laughs> waiting for a poom so More the uh, League of Ireland TV season passes back and you get 440 games across three divisions for 120 euro 7 euro for individual games that's outrageous value go and boy use our season passes because it will continue to grow and prosper if you don't and you start streaming it well then you're fucked because they will not continue on with this process with this with this uh, service that's the way it works Absolutely, yeah. Help um, the league. We all talk about helping the league. We all talk about one progress the league, but you'll be you'll spend half an hour looking for a dodgy stream. Do you know what I mean? Even if you don't want to hold the boy, the whole season pass, you want to pick a game, pay the seven quid. It's literally a point. The only argument you won't I, even get a point of Birmingham already. Actually, it's seven fifty for a point of Birmingham. <laughs> <ready now. laughs> the only argument I was sympathise with is you you don't really watch much of the other games or the first vision, and you're gonna attend ninety percent of the Robbers games. Is it worth paying 120 then? You'd probably pay your 7 euro for the handful of games you miss. I, I would sympathise there. Yeah. But it, it's, saying it's that, fantastic value. It is good because you get if you do like enjoying football, which we always say, football connoisseurs will find something we love in a game down the park, in a big game, Champions League final, or anything. That's what we do. We love football. That's the way it is. So you could pay for 120 quid <coughs> and you could watch Sligo on a Saturday or... You, you you know all these little things that you could do sit down and find yourself with 90 minutes to spare and you watch <coughs> a game but certainly if we're in for a grueling 50 plus game season and you reckon you're going to miss a dozen of them and you're you know watching on dodgy boxes well yeah like you say Garrett there won't be an LOA TV next season yeah exactly Um. so yeah and the uh, President's Cup Friday yeah here. So the season pass starts with the President's Cup final. So please specify you're a Rovers fan when you purchase to ensure a share of the payment goes to SRFC. Remember that. If you're using the same email address email address as a previous purchase, it will automatically recognise Rovers as your club. This can be verified and amended in your LOI TV account info, which I don't remember a thing about. I don't know any of the details. I'm going to have to go and reset my password. Hopefully, uh, Chrome remembers me. <laughs> but um, Chrome, yeah. So if... If you don't see an option to put in Roberts, don't panic. That means it just remembers that you put in Roberts before. Yeah. So. With the hoops, Prof, we are about to hit a League of Ireland <coughs> season ticket sales record. Hands up. Hands thing up. Hands emoji. Hands emoji. Hands emoji. Uh, with 3,940 sales to date with the 4,000 mark. 
will be exceeded in the coming days and we have a competition for all 2023 season ticket purchases when we hit the 4k prof it is a meet and greet at the road zone with the players you get to go kick a ball with Jack Bourne save a ball with Alan Manis do a volley with I can't think of any name but Roy McVolley no no either uh, way no what a show by Brian McKenna more season ticket holders than there were seats when Tala opened whoa that that sums it up <laughs> so we more season ticket holders now than there were seats unbelievable wow we're um it's it's an unbelievable uh, opportunity. So get your season tickets before. Do not leave it till the last day. Don't be an insane person and have to collect your season ticket on the day of the opening game against Derry, which people do. <laughs> Madness. They've enough to be dealing with in the office. They're already flat out selling merch, selling tickets, going crazy, going doing everything. Give them a dig out and just get your season ticket early. Bump it up to that 4K. Prof, 4,000 people. <laughs> minimum. That's unreal numbers. Yeah, do it now. Get yourself user chance to uh, to meet the players. Get user twenty twenty three awake with user two stars. That is it. Get user otherwise <laughs> season pass. Get user Pride Ring brings end membership with priority bus access and WhatsApp group membership, which Gary will soon be admin of. <laughs> um. Yeah, so Prof, the hardest working podcast in the League of Ireland is back doing weekly podcasts. Season is officially underway. Tifty's hotline and a new player quiz next week. Hashtag content, putting everyone else to shame, Prof. We are smelling ourselves right now. Smelling ourselves right now. Prof, it's, that is it. We're hopefully not leaving Derry out of uh, out of question, by the way. I'm off on Friday. I might be able to make a f- few manoeuvres. I might end up in the Brandywell. If not, Prof, we will look forward to the game and the season is officially underway. So keep on hooping and see you next week. See you. Stay